following radio programs are original broadcasts. While enhancements have been made to the audio for clarity and listener enjoyment, no other edits or modifications have been made. The listener may hear advertisements and notices for tobacco products, alcohol, food, and or services that may no longer be available, nor are they endorsed by whose blind life is it anyway. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everybody, it's Pepsi Mama welcoming you to another edition of the Afternoon Radio Theater Sunday. And along with me in the background is uh, my geek guru and dear friend Victor Gouveia. And um, he's turning all the cogs and greasing the wheels and all that stuff to keep us rolling. So, because uh, if not for him, there would not be any afternoon radio theater Sunday. And I enjoy doing this. <laughs> uh, it's been a while since I've got to be out here and do any new recording for you. Um, but I think we're back to running now. Uh, if you want to, you can follow us, uh, on Facebook, like us on Facebook, Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? You can subscribe to us uh, on YouTube, Whose Blind Life Is It Anyway? And you can um, like us and follow us on Twitter at Blind Whose, B-L-I-N-D-W-H-O-S-E. When he was making his uh, Twitter feed uh it wouldn't let him wouldn't let him do whose blind life is it anyway for whatever reason so he had to shorten it to at blind whose so um if you don't like doing any of that you can catch us on your favorite podcast player uh or maybe you just didn't get a chance to catch us live so uh you don't have to worry because you can find us on just about any kind of podcast player there is out there. Um, if you want to email me, uh, you can email me at afternoon radio theater Sunday, S-U-N-D-A-Y at gmail.com. That's afternoon radio theater Sunday at gmail.com. Today what I'm doing for you is family comedies and um, if I'd wanted to I could have gone on forever doing these but <laughs> time just didn't allow but um, but maybe I hope you'll like what I've got picked out for us and uh, the first one that I'm going to do it's called uh, it's the Aldrich family and you know, it's about Henry Aldrich. He's uh gold, maybe he's in junior high, something like that. And bless his heart, he's always means well, but he winds up uh making a mess out of something. And I think you'll see when you listen to this one, it's called uh Everybody Sleeps Over. And it starts out he's trying to get permission for one kid to sleep over because of something that's going on at her house and then he ends up with everybody in the neighborhood so hope you like this one 
Oldham presents The Aldrich Family, written by Clifford Goldsmith. Entertainment for all the family, brought to you by Postum, a tempting, wholesome drink for all the family. Postum. Before we join the Aldrich family, may we offer you a friendly challenge? I've heard it said that if the average person hears five separate statements, he has a hard time repeating even four of them. See how far above average you are. One? Many people can drink coffee without ill effects. But there are a good many other people whose nerves are set on edge by coffee. Two? People who are affected by coffee may find it helpful to drink Postum regularly instead of coffee. Three? Postum contains no caffeine. No stimulant of any kind that could possibly upset anybody's nerves. Four, Postum is a hearty, robust, really swell drink. Enjoyed every mealtime by millions of Americans. Five, you can get Postum at your grocer's. Now, how many of those statements can you remember? Well, I'll give you a little tip. If you remember only the last one to get Postum at your grocer's, then you've remembered the one that you will be most grateful for. For it's when you get it that you can give Postum a fair trial. You can then see if you don't agree that Postum is a grand drink. See if you aren't much less nervous, more at ease, thanks to your switch to Postum. One of the attractive things about teenage youngsters is that they manage to get a lot of fun out of things which, to their elders, are apt to be pretty much of a bore. Let's see how Henry Aldrich handles the problem of moving day, for instance. The scene opens in Kathleen Anderson's living room. Now, wait a second, Homer. Kathleen asked me to lift that box for her. Henry, will you take your hands off it? You're only making it heavier. I know, Homer, but everything I've picked up, you've tried to grab, too. Anybody think the Andersons weren't able to move without your butting in? All right, then, all right, then take it. And I hope you break your back. Well, gee whiz, Homer, that's a nice thing to do. Right on Kathleen's mother's hardwood floor. They're moving out of here, aren't they? And someone's moving in, aren't they? Henry, did you hurt yourself? No, I didn't hurt myself. Homer, could you... Could you... Give me a hand with this. I thought you wanted to lift it yourself. Wait a second now, and I'll put this other pile of books in. Oh, you're going to put more in it? Henry, we have to get everything we own out of here by tonight. You do? Yes, Henry. Well, gee, where are you going to have dinner? I don't know. Listen, Kathleen, why don't you come over to our house for dinner? Over to your house? Really, Homer? Homer, over to your house? And now, wait a second. Why should she want to come over to your house? Why shouldn't she? Because, Homer, in the first place, your mother and father are both on a diet. And, and you know what that means? What does it mean? Henry! Yes, Mrs. Anderson? Are you calling I? Could you come here and help me with this stepladder? Yes, sure. Homer, move that box of books out, of the, out on the porch for Kathleen. Alone? Is it too heavy for you, Homer? Well, I'll tell you. Listen, Kathleen, why don't you all come over for dinner? As long as your mother's going to have all your dishes packed. Oh, I don't think we should impose on your mother and father like that, Homer. Well, that's the beautiful part of it. If you come over, my mother will have to cook something good for a change. No, Homer, I don't think we'd better. Now, would you move that box, please? Okay. Say, I've got a better idea, Kathleen. I'll go home and ask my mother. Then I can explain the whole thing. And if she says she'd rather we wouldn't come, will you be frank and tell us so? Oh, gee whiz, Kathleen. You don't have to worry about a thing like that. Hey, Homer, how about coming 
down in the basement and give me a hand with a barrel of stuff. I've got to beat it, Henry. As soon as you get the barrel up, move that box of books there. Listen, Kathleen, where's he going? Home to see whether his mother would mind having anyone extra for dinner. You mean you're going? You're going? Instead of coming over to my house? Well, Henry hadn't even mentioned your house. Kathleen, don't you remember my saying... Am I saying... Don't you want to eat with my family? Well, I didn't say I didn't want to. I'd much rather, only... Well, only how about your mother? My mother? But what would my mother have to do with your coming over for dinner? I mean, well, all I have to do is phone and say you're coming. Hello? My goodness, I guess your mother's better natured than my mother. Oh, gee, as soon as I say... Number, please. Listen, mother. Number, please. Oh, uh, Elm 303. Elm 303? Kathleen? Yes, mother? Could you help me, please? All right. And I have something awfully nice to tell you. And Kathleen, after dinner, maybe we can go to the movie. Hello? Hello? Listen, mother. Henry, where are you? I, I, I'm just over helping. Uh, I'm sort of... You won't be late getting home for dinner tonight, will you, dear? We're going to eat early. Oh, you are? Mother, I, I want to tell you something. What is it? You know the Andersons. Has something happened to them? No, they're in an awful predicament. They have to get out of their house by tonight, see? Really? Where are they going? Over on Center Street. Well, that'll be nice. Well, don't be late, will you, dear? Wait a second, Mother. I haven't finished with their predicament. Dear, I can't stand here and talk with you. I'm putting up applesauce. You are? Well, well, that's good. How would you... Well, what would you think of sort of helping out and, and asking Kathleen to come and eat with us? Henry, this is no time to ask anyone for dinner. I've got jars and applesauce all over the kitchen. But, Mother, she's very fond of applesauce. Frankly, Henry, I don't like you bringing home a guest when I'm working as hard as I am. But, Mother... Dear, you may have her any night but tonight. Henry! Look, Mother, let me explain something. Henry, there's nothing to explain. Henry! Mother, listen! Goodbye, dear. But, Mother... Henry, did you get your mother? Yes, and... Boy, well, that's I... wonderful, because Mother says she'd be glad to let me go. What's that? Well, that's fine. In the first place, Alice, Henry shouldn't have asked you But Sam, I told him he could not have Kathleen tonight Oh, well, I'm glad to hear that Not that Kathleen isn't welcome here, but there's a chance that Ed Wilson will be in town You mean you've asked him to have dinner here? No, Alice, but if he does arrive in town tonight, I'd like to feel free to ask him for dinner so we can talk business Then I'm all the more glad Kathleen isn't coming Mother! Henry, is that you? Yes, where are you? We're in the living room, we'd like very much to speak to you You mean Father's in there with you? I am Oh, oh Hello, Father. Hello. Henry, I certainly hope Kathleen understood why I couldn't have her tonight. Well, Mother, if you aren't awfully busy, could I speak you out in the dining room where we can be alone? I mean... Dear, there's no use your bringing the subject up. Your father agrees with me we cannot have Kathleen tonight. Oh, we can't? Henry, remember this for as long as you live. Don't ever ask anyone to this house for dinner as a... as a surprise to us. Yes, Father. Is that clear, dear? Yes, Mother. That doesn't go just for Kathleen. It goes for Homer Brown, for Jimmy Bartlett. Yes, for... Father. For everyone and anyone you happen to have an impulse to ask. Yes, Mother. Only only first, there's just one thing I want to explain. Don't try to explain anything. Kathleen is out of the picture as far as tonight is concerned. Sam, where are you going? Out in the garden. Mother, would you be interested in listening to me? Henry, let's not hear any more about it. But, Mother, look what Mrs. Anderson gave me. What is it? Are those ration stamps? Yes, sure. She felt that bad about it. Well, my goodness. Look, three stamps. That gives you some idea, Mother, of how, 
Oh, well, Henry, you certainly couldn't have been very cordial in your invitation. What's that? Henry, what did you say to Mrs. Anderson that made her feel she had to give you those? That's the funny part of it. It came right out of a clear blue sky. Here, do you realize how embarrassed this makes me feel? Apparently, she thought the reason we couldn't have Kathleen was because we didn't have enough ration stamps. Why, Mother? Dear, when you're inviting anyone for dinner, there are two ways to do it. Either don't ask them at all, or you ask them wholeheartedly and really make them feel as though they're wanted. You do? Yes, dear, of course you do. What's the Anderson's number? You're going to call them? Of course I am. Why, it's, it's Elm 344. Elm 344? Number, please. Operator, I want Elm 344. Elm 344? Henry, do you see that list of groceries on the table? Yes, Mother. I want you to take it and go right over to the store. Yes, sure, and thanks very much. And don't even mention this to your father. You let me explain things to him. Yes, Mother. Hello, is this Betty Anderson? Yes. This is Alice Aldridge, dear. I've just been talking with Henry, and frankly, Betty, I've never been quite so embarrassed. Well, what about Alice? Anyone that has to move at a time like this and is in the position you're in, well, Betty, we'd just love to help you all. Oh, really? All of us? Of course. What's that? Uh, what's that? Oh, you mean you can all... Well, that's fine, Betty. Uh... I was afraid for a minute that Henry had asked just Kathleen. Now, Alice, are you sure you can have us all on this short notice? Why, why, Betty, I give you my word, nothing would give us more pleasure than making you feel that our home is your home. Really, Alice? Well, that's awfully sweet of you. Not at all. Goodbye. Goodbye. Sam! Sam, I've got to tell you something! What do you think? The Aldridge's have come to the rescue. They've asked us over to their house. Yes? For the next three days? Why, no, Bob. No, of course not. Just for dinner. Well, that takes care of one meal, but where are we going to stay tonight and tomorrow night until the other place is ready? Well, couldn't you get rooms at the mansion house? No, no, no. They're all filled up. You don't suppose the Aldridge's would put us up for a few days, do you? Now, Bob, I'm even a little embarrassed about going over there for dinner. Do they know we can't move into the other house? Yes. Then I don't see why they don't ask us. We do the same for them. Well, Alice Aldridge did say she wanted us to feel that their home was our home. But I don't think she expects us to stay three days. Why don't you call her back and make sure? Now, Bob, I can't do that. Let's just wait and see what happens. Very well. And, Bob, somebody's at the door. I've just got to hang up and see who it is. Goodbye. Goodbye. Where are you? I'm out here in the front hall. Is is Kathleen here? Hello, Henry. What is it? Nothing, Kathleen. Nothing. I was just on my way to get some groceries for uh, for something, and, and I just thought I'd drop in. Oh. All I want to know is, I want to make sure. Yes, Henry? Well, I want to be positive, see? Yes, Henry. I just had a talk with my mother, and, and she called you, didn't she? Yes, and that was very sweet of her. Boy, was she upset over the way I asked Kathleen. Well, your mother was certainly nice to call and ask us all. Oh, all of you? Yes. Well, gee, that's the way my mother is. Once she decides to do something, she'll even turn over her whole house to you. Really? As a matter of fact, Henry, she did say we were to feel your home was our home. Sure. All she's got to know is you're in a jam. And, and boy. Only, Henry, are you positive we won't be crowding you? Crowding us? Gee whiz, how could you do a thing like that? Are you sure, Henry? Kathleen, you talk as though we'd never had company before. Gee whiz, there's plenty of room. And your mother told you to say that? Sure. She certainly said I was to be cordial. 
Well, goodbye. Goodbye, and thanks very much for coming over. Kathleen, go to the phone and call your father. Yes, Mother. Tell him it's all settled. We won't have to go to the hotel. Hi, Kathleen. Yes, Homer, where are you? I'm out here at the back door. Where are you? I'm just going to put in a phone call. Well, look, I've got a sort of embarrassing message for you, see? My mother said she'd like to have you folks come for dinner. In fact, there's nothing she'd rather have you do. Only... Don't you think as long as you folks are going to be so tired from moving and everything, it would be better to wait and come sometime afterwards when you feel fresher and you can keep your mind on what you're eating? Well, Homer, as a matter of fact, we're all going over to Henry's. For dinner? Yes. Everybody? Well, gee whiz, that's a fine thing. Could I use your telephone before you do? I guess so. Hello? That isn't a... Gee whiz. Number, please. Elm 232. Elm 232. And Homer, as soon as you get through, could you come in the living room and help me move that box of books for Mother? Didn't Henry take care of it? Of all of... Hello? Hello, Mother. I won't be home for dinner. Why not? The Aldriches are throwing a party. But, Mother... I didn't ask them all for dinner. You did. Well, incidentally, since you knew how many would be here, why didn't you get enough string beans? I did. That's the beautiful part of it. Then why didn't you tell me before I sent your father to the store? You did? Well, I'll go right down and get him. Now, don't do anything more. You've done enough as it is. Where are you going? Over to Mrs. Kilmer's and try to borrow a large tablecloth. And, dear, I hope you'll let this be a lesson. Don't ever, ever start inviting people in a wholesale way like this again. Yes, Mother. Only I just asked Kathleen... And please go answer that phone. Yes, Mother. Maybe this is Mrs. Anderson saying they thought it over and none of them can come except Kathleen. Hello? Hello. May I speak with Mr. Aldrich, please? Why, Mr. Aldridge isn't here right now. Could you tell me how I might get in touch with him, please? Well, I don't think you can. He's out trying to scrape up some string beans. What's that? May I ask who this is speaking? This is his son. Oh, yes. This is Mr. Wilson. I believe I met you when I was in town last week. Oh, yes. Up on the roof. Henry, I'm in sort of a jam down here at the hotel. I've been trying to get a room, and they tell me there isn't a chance. There isn't? As a matter of fact, even the dining room is packed. You mean you can't get in and get anything? That's why I called. I was wondering whether you might have any suggestion to make. Well, I tell you, no. What's that? I'm pretty sure I'd better not make that one. Do you know any place to get a room or a meal? Why, no. No, my mother was just saying a little while ago, no, everything's all tied up. I see. How about, how about my father phoning you when he comes in? That won't do any good. I can't wait here. I've got to find a place to eat and sleep. Oh. Just forget the whole thing. Goodbye. He certainly picked the wrong time to take his parents literally. But if I may say so, it's the right time for you to take me literally when I suggest that some of you have a big surprise coming the first time you try Postum. For undoubtedly, some of you will take your first sip of Postum expecting it to taste like coffee, and it doesn't. Postum is an entirely different drink, which you shouldn't expect to taste like coffee any more than you'd expect coffee to taste like tea. The flavor of Postum is distinctively its own, and so lusty and satisfying, so incomparably good, that whole families favor Postum over any other mealtime drink they've tried. We'd like you to enjoy Postum too, friends. Enjoy the rich, hearty, bracing flavor, and discover why one of America's great mealtime drinks is Postum. <laughs> 
Now, getting back to the troubles of Henry Aldrich. The Aldriches are upset to think that Kathleen Anderson and her family are coming for dinner this evening, never dreaming that the Andersons are really preparing to stay for three days. The scene opens in the Aldrich living room. Mr. Aldrich is speaking. Alice, where are you? I'm in here straightening up the living room, Sam. My goodness, where have you been all this time? I've been out trying to find enough groceries. But, dear, do you realize there's hardly an hour left before the Andersons will be here? Alice, I couldn't help it if somebody had bought all the string beans in town. The Andersons will have to eat eggplant. I do hope they won't stay long after dinner. Father, is that you? It is. Well, gee whiz, I've been waiting for you. There was a phone call for you. Yes? From Mr. Wilson? Yes, sir. Oh, then he's in town. That's fine. I tried to phone him from the drugstore. Yes, Father. And why are they jammed down at the hotel? You mean he can't get a room? No, sir. Well, you told him to come up here, didn't you? Up here? What for? Why, for dinner, dear, and stay overnight. Why? No, Mr. Wilson, he came to town to do business with me. I know, Father, but you gave me a lecture about asking people right out of a clear sky like that. There's nothing about it that's out of a clear sky. Where did he say I could reach him? He said you couldn't. He said he was going out to look for some place to sleep. Henry Aldrich! But, but, Mother, you... Don't you see the position I was in? Henry, if we have antagonized Mr. Wilson and he goes back to Chicago without seeing me, I'll... I'll... Now, Sam, I'm sorry, Father. But, Alice, of all the people we know, Ed Wilson... Ed Wilson! After all, we do have a guest Now, Sam, don't be upset. That's probably Mr. Wilson at the door this minute. Yes? Well, gee whiz, let me go to the door. I'd like to be the one who invites him in. Now, wait a minute, Henry. Wait a minute. What's the matter? Alice, look out the window. Where's Sam? Look who's on the front porch. Oh, gee whiz, it's Kathleen and her mother. Sam... Sam, what are they here now for? I don't know. What time did you tell them to come? Well, I certainly didn't tell them to come this early. I'm not even dressed. Father, do you suppose something's happened and they can't come? What do you mean they can't come? Sam, don't let them in until I get these papers straightened up. Can't one of you help me with them? Where do you want me to put them? Here, Henry, take them out to the kitchen. Yes, Father. Sam, open the door. Yes, Only Alice. wait a minute, dear. Here's a match I didn't pick up. Henry, take this match out, too. Who's going to notice a match at a time like this? Well, well, hello there. Hello, Sam. Hello, Alice. Betty, dear, hello. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Aldrich. Hello. Don't tell me you can't, you can't come in. I thought perhaps it would be too early for you, but that house is driving me crazy. I just had to get out of it. Well, it's quite all right. Tell me, where's Bob? He's coming with the car, Alice. Oh. Yes, Mother and I walked over. Really? Well, that's just fine. Yes, that's fine. Let's, let's all sit down. Mr. Aldrich, is Henry here? Oh, yes, Kathleen. Henry! Henry! I guess he doesn't hear. He'll be back in a minute, though. Suppose I go and get him. I've got one or two little things to attend to in the kitchen. Anyhow, if you just excuse me. Can Kathleen and I help you, Alice? No, dear, there isn't a thing to do. Well, there's the doorbell. I guess that's Father. Yeah? Well, that's fine. Mr. Aldrich, do you suppose you could go out and help him bring in Grandmother? What? What's that? Yes, Sam, Bob's mother. You remember her, don't you? Oh, yeah. Yes, that's fine. Hello, Sam. Here we come. Hello, Bob. And Mrs. Anderson, how are you? Uh, just take her other arm, Sam. Yeah? All right, sir. Here we come. You want some help, Father? Uh, yes, Kathleen. Go out to the car and get Grandmother's cushion. All right. Have you any idea what Henry is? Henry! Henry! I hope we're not going to be crowding you, Sam. No, no, not at all. Everything's going to be fine. Here we go, Grandmother. Right down into the big chair. Bob, what do you want me to do? Uh, just let go of her, Sam. She does better if you let her drop in. Yeah? Well, that's fine. There we are. Sam, I can't begin to tell you how grateful we are for your pulling us out of this jam. That's all right. Yes, indeed. Now, Sam, I want to tell you one thing. Betty and I decided before we came over we're going to make as little trouble for you as possible. Now, Bob, what are you talking about trouble for? Well, let's work out a schedule for the bathroom. You know what I mean? So we won't get in your way. What's that? And tell me, 
frankly, Sam, would you rather we eat with you or a little ahead of you? What's that? Well, why don't you let us do this? I was just thinking, we'll eat first and clean up the kitchen and get out of your way. The kitchen? Sam! Yes, Alice, what is it? Will you please come here right away? Yes, Alice. If you folks will excuse me, I'll go see what she wants. Uh, Sam, do you suppose there'd be any objections to Grandmother eating upstairs? Upstairs? Why, no, that would be fine. Sam, I want you to tell me something. Alice, there's something I want you to tell me. Dear, can you cut these string beans while I go up and change my clothes? Alice, what's going on here? What do you mean? The Andersons don't want to eat with us. You mean they're leaving? No, they want to eat in the kitchen before we do. And Grandmother's going to eat upstairs. What's that? What Grandmother? Alice, what do they mean by wanting a schedule for the bathroom? Well, these show them where it is. No, they want a schedule for it, a schedule. Dear, what are you talking about? Oh, my goodness, who do you suppose that is? I don't know who it is. How would I know? Well, don't just stand there, Dave. Go on to the front door. Where's Henry? Why can't Henry take care of some of this? I have no idea where Henry is. All right, Mr. Aldrich, I answered the door. Yes, it wasn't a Mr. Wilson, was it? No, it's just the express man with our baggage. What's that? Father didn't want to lug it because he was so tired. Oh, Oh. Now, don't you lift a finger, Sam. You let that fellow out there bring everything in. Oh, yes. Are all those... All those... Is that your baggage? Yes, I told them to take them around and bring them in the back way so we won't scratch up the front hall. Sam! Yes, Betty? I forgot to tell Alice we brought our own sheets and pillowcases and our own towels. What's that? Enough to last for three days. Well, that's fine. Sam, who was it? Nothing, Alice. Just the man with the Anderson sheets and towels. With the Andersons what? But they say they could only be with us for three days. What's that? I mean, oh, only three days? Why, we certainly thought you could be with us at least, at least. Hello, Henry, am I late? Homer, is that you? Yes, Mrs. Aldridge. I would have been here sooner, only my father couldn't come at the last minute. What's that? Just my mother could make it. Hello, Sam. Oh, I do hope you understand Will's not being able to come along. Why, that's quite all right, Elizabeth. <laughs> we'll try to understand, won't we, Alice? Yes, yes. Well, anyway, Sam, happy birthday. Happy birthday? Yes. Yes, isn't that what you're celebrating? No, Elizabeth, I wouldn't go so far as to say that. Oh, well, anyway, I know you're celebrating something. Oh, isn't that Grandmother Anderson I see in there? Why, Grandmother Anderson. Boy, am I looking forward to dinner. To dinner, dear? Sure. Just for dinner? You can't stay overnight? Well, I guess I could. Where's Henry? I wish I knew. There he is, Mr. Aldrich. There he is, right out in front. Where, Kathleen? Don't you see him? He just got out of that taxi. Henry, where have you been? Look, Father, look who I found. Dear, who is it? Can't you see? It's Mr. Wilson and his wife and children. I told them you wanted them to stay overnight. What's that? Let me look at this list once more. Quiet, Sam. Do you want to wake everyone in the house up? No one can hear us here in the kitchen, Alice. I just want to look at the list and see where everyone is sleeping. Just a moment while I turn this other light on. Now, let's see. Bob and Betty Anderson are in... They're in our room, dear. Oh, yes. Kathleen is in with Mary. Where's Grandmother? She's in Henry's room. Oh, yes. And Mr. and Mrs. Wilson are in the guest room. And their daughter is on the sofa in the living room. And their son's on that cot in the dining room. Oh, yes. Then I'm going to sleep on that cot I put up beside Mary and Kathleen. Yeah? And where is it Grandmother's sleeping? No, I told you, in Henry's room. I sent Henry over to stay with Homer. I realize that, Alice. Well, it worked out very well. I thought so, too. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Where am I? You, dear. Don't I have you on this list? Well, let's go through it once more. 
Sam, I guess I don't have you. That's a fine thing. Well, dear, you've got to lie down someplace. You've had a hard day. Why, uh, why... What were you going to suggest? No, I guess the Wilson boy couldn't possibly sleep with Grandmother. No, dear, no. We all agreed that Grandmother better sleep alone. How about... How about... No. Of course. Yes? There's that old blanket that Henry's goat used to sleep on. But I frankly don't think you'd be comfortable on that. No. But I might take a couple of leaves from the dining room table and put them across the bathtub. What? And just lie there holding the bathroom schedule. Now, Sam, I'm doing the best I can. I know, Alice, but I've got to do some work tomorrow. I can't just stand up against the wall all night. Mother. Alice, who's that? Sam, it's Henry. Yes, dear? Mother, I want to tell you something. Not so loud, Henry. Did you forget something? Forget something? What was it? She doesn't know. Your mother's asking you. Why are you back? I can't sleep over at Homer's. Why not? Well, Homer's Uncle Joe showed up on a furlough, and he brought two soldiers along with him. What's that? So I had to come home. Sam, what are we going to do? I don't know what we're going to do. It's Grandmother that's messing up the whole works. What are you walking out of the room like that for? I'm going to answer the telephone. Would you like me to, Father? Hello? Hello. Do you have a Mr. Wilson there? Yes. Could I speak to him, please? Why, he can't come to the phone right this minute. Could I take a message? This is the mansion house. Mr. Wilson had his name on our reservation list and asked us to give him a call if anything turned up. Yes? We've just found one bed. If he doesn't mind, it's being in a room with another gentleman, a Mr. Wiggins from Battle Creek. Yes? Good. Hold it. Henry? Yes, Father? Come with me. Where to? We're going to sleep with a man by the name of Wiggins from Battle Creek. Stay tuned in, won't you? The Aldrich's sleeping problems aren't quite solved even yet. forget, will you, friends? Postum comes in two economical forms. Postum, which you brew in pot percolator or drip maker, and instant postum, which is dissolved instantly in your cup by adding boiling water. Both have the same unbeatable postum flavor. So no matter which you enjoy, you can't help but say sincerely what a swell drink postum is. Be sure not to wake up Mr. Wiggins. But, gee whiz, I can't see to button my pajamas. Get into bed. I am in bed. I'm trying... I'm trying... Father, where are you? I'm right over here. You're not in here with me? Well, gee whiz, who's this I button my pajamas to? Listen again next week, same time, same station, for another sparkling half hour with your favorite youngster, his family, and his pals. 
The Aldrich Family is written by Clifford Goldsmith. The original musical score is conducted by Jack Miller. And this is Dan Seymour saying... I love Amos and Andy. <laughs> Poor fellas. They just, uh, you know, they're, they're just not really bright. And they're always getting into these deals with Kingfish. And he always gets them into some kind of mess. And uh, it's kind of like, uh, uh, if you're familiar with Lum and Abner, uh, Squire is the one that always does them in. So, um, but anyway, this one is called Two Different People. Sharp and clear. That's the absolute finest television set I ever did see. Well, now, wait a minute. How do you know that's such a fine television set, Andy? You ain't even got the thing turned on. Don't need to turn this set on to know it's okay to say it. Just got to look at the nameplate. See what it says? CBS. Oh, CBS, yeah. That makes the greatest sight unseen. Oh, CBS. <laughs> CBS Columbia, makers of America's most advanced radio and television receivers, present transcribed The Amos and Andy Show, written by Joe Connolly and Bob Mosier, featuring Amanda Randolph, Ernestine Wade, Johnny Lee, Amos Reese, Gus Bays, Lud Gluskin's music, yours truly, Harlow Wilcox, and starring radio's all-time favorites, Freeman Gosden and Charles Carell. Amos and Andy! The Kingfish and his wife Sapphire and her mother planned on spending a month's vacation in Mama's cottage up in the country. The Kingfish has just been up to look the place over after the winter and has just returned with bad news. What's this you say, George? They had a flood up where our cabin is? Flood? I'll say there was. When I got there, the Coast Guard was draining out the cabin. They had a bilge pump down the chimney. <laughs> Yeah, well, unless you was a romantic barracuda, ain't exactly ideal honeymoon spot no more. Now, George, stop this fooling. Is there any dampness in the house? Well, there was a little in the living room. A little? How much? About ten feet. <laughs> but the water done receded. Well, is the floors dried out? Now, that's hard to tell, honey. You see... When the flood receded, uh, it receded the floor with it. That's what happened. Well, we ain't got the money to fix it up. I guess we'll just have to give up any thought of a vacation right now. You know, maybe we could rent it out to somebody. Oh, don't be silly. Only a boob would want a place like that. Then you shouldn't have no trouble. <laughs> Takes one to know one. I was right, George. You know, the thing we ought to do is put an ad in the newspaper. Come on, Mama. We'll go in and call him up. Trying to rent that flooded cottage. This ain't gonna be easy. It would take a fish to live up there. A fish, uh, say, uh, say, wait a minute, sir. 
I think I know who's just a big, fat, pooped-out porpoise to occupy that aquarium, too. <laughs> just keep walking, Anna. The cottage is just over this next knoll down in the little valley. Yeah. Lovely location, Anna. Situated right between uh, Disappointment Knolls and Gutted Glen. A beautiful spot there. Well, listen, Kingfish, I don't know why I should be taking a vacation this time of the year. Oh, look, Andy, I worried about you. You spend the whole winter down here in the city breathing this obnoxious air? Well, you mean the air up here is better? Oh, certainly it is, Andy. In the city, the air is one part hydrogen and two parts carbon peroxide. (laughs) There's only one way that you can get pure air than this, Andy. And I don't think you want to spend your vacation in no oxygen tent, do you? Maybe you was right, Kingfish, but uh, tell me something. Is the water in the lake down there been rising lately? Rising? Or what make you say that? Well, it sure looks to me like there was a flood up here. Yeah, well, now, here we are, Andrew, right here. Yeah, here we are. Boy, look at that. There is your dream cottage. Yeah, I want to go. Uh, wait a minute, Kingfish. Mm-hmm. If the water don't rise around here, how come the house is up in the air on six-foot pylons? Uh, ventilation, Andy. Under the house, uh, they got what you call a breezeway. Uh, now, come on, Andy. Let's climb the steps here and take a look at your beautiful mansion, boy. Yeah, well, okay. Uh, now, follow me across the porch, Andy. Uh, watch the loose boards there. Uh, here, Andy, I tell you, when you move in, uh, uh, say, Andy, uh, uh, that's funny. He was here a minute ago. Andy! Andy, where is you? I was down here in the breezeway, Kingfish. <laughs> Wait a minute. This ain't no time to play games. Come on out of there. Here, give me a hand here. Yeah. Stand on that rock down there. Yeah, okay. Come on, come on. That's up, up, up. Yeah, all right. All right, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, holy mackerel, Kingfish. I went right through the porch. Well, like any place, the boys need a little tightening up, you know. Come on, let's go in the door here. Oh, it needs a little tightening, too, don't it? Uh, just step over the thing, Danny. Uh, just leave it down on the floor. Uh, now, here we are. Uh, look the living room over, Danny. See there? Nice new floors we put in you. Well, listen, Kingfish, this is all just one big room. How you get five rooms out of this place? Well, like all summer places, Danny, you just draw the curtain. Now, you see, you draw the curtain like this, and there you is. On this side of the curtain, you got a bedroom. And on the other side, you got a nice eight-by-four living room. Uh, that don't give me much of a living room. Suppose I want to have a big housewarming party. I got about 30 or 40 friends I'd like to have up. How's I going to entertain them all in that little bitty living room? Well, you can stagger the guests. Do like to do at the airport. Have them circle around outside, tell you it's ready for them to come in and make a landing at the punch bowl. That's <laughs> Tell me something. What is this curtain here? Well, if you're having a dinner party, Andy, you just pull this across like this, you see. And there's your dining room. But I don't know about this place, Kingfish, with the curtains and everything. Now, look, Andy, I admit the thing needs a little fixing up. But you can have the place for the whole summer for just 200 bucks. What do you say, boy? Well, that ain't bad. Oh, great bargain there. Okay, it's a deal, Kingfish. I'll take it. Fine, Andy. Now, let's go back to the city and we'll sign the ironbound contract there. You go ahead, Andy, and we'll follow you on the porch here. I'll I'll right behind you. Yeah, okay, let's go. Thanks, Kingfish. I was going to... Uh, 
Uh, I, uh... Well, that's funny. I thought the kingfish was following me. <laughs> hey, kingfish. Kingfish, where is you? Down here, Andy. Just drop down to inspect the breezeway. <laughs> Glad I got that cottage rented and uh, let me get in the apartment here and tell Sapphire. Sapphire, home, got some good news for you. Well, I got wonderful news for you today, George. We got an answer to our ad, and I rented the cottage today to a Mr. Walter Jackson for a hundred dollars. He's moving in there tonight. Uh, honey, wait a minute. This here is a mess. I done rented the cottage to Andy, and he's moving in there late tonight. Oh, you ain't, George. Oh, that's awful. Mr. Jackson is a very nervous man. He said as soon as he got there, he was going to go right to bed. Oh, I wonder what'll happen. Well, I don't know, but I got an idea there's going to be more screaming and yelling up there than the time that Grandma was slapping the hogs and fell into the pig waller. <laughs> Hello there, this is Freeman Gosden. Tonight's Amos and Andy show is a little special because it marks the start of our second six months of sponsorship by CBS Columbia. And this is a good time to tell you about something my partner, Charles Carell, and I have talked about a number of times, and it is this. It's really a pleasure to be selling a top-notch product like CBS television sets. The CBS Columbia people build a truly fine television receiver and we just come right out and tell you so without any ifs, ands, or buts. It makes us feel good to know that when you go down to your dealers and see the fine picture on a CBS set, when you hear the 360 full fidelity sound, and when you try CBS sweep tuning, you'll discover what we have said about CBS television sets is not exaggerated at all. These CBS sets are exceptional sets and each one represents solid value. Of course, there's a mighty good reason for it. CBS Columbia is the set manufacturing division of the Columbia Broadcasting System, the greatest name in home entertainment. Oh, me, it sure is dark in this cottage. Well, I got my nightshirt on here in the washing area. Too bad I fell down that breezeway and busted my kerosene lamp. <laughs> yeah, let me feel my way across the living room here. Hmm. Kingfish must have pulled all the curtains. Ah, here we are. Here we are. Here's the bed. Yeah, let me sit down on the edge of it. Oh, me. Is I tired? Yeah, I was really exhausted. How you like that? I really must be tired. I ain't asleep, but I was snoring already. Yeah, well, let me lay down. Pull the covers up around me here. Uh-oh. This is one of them short beds. My feet is sticking out of the bottom. Yeah, there he is. There's my foot with the corn plaster on it. There's my foot with the busted toe. And there's my foot with the sock on it. And that... Holy smoke. 
I must be tired than I thought I was. From here, it looks like I got three feet. I wonder what done Yeah, and I'm snoring again, and I ain't asleep. Hey, wait a minute. There seems to be something here on the next pillar. Uh-oh, there's something wrong here, because I know I ain't got two heads. Oh, me. I must be so tired I haven't hallucinations. Well, I'm going to make the final test. I'm going to reach down here and pinch my foot with a sock on it. There. Ouch! Holy mackerel. I pinched my foot and the other head said, ouch. I'm getting out of here. Wait a minute. Who's here in this room? Ain't nobody here, mister. You is all alone. Wait a minute. Stop, stop. Out of my way. Help. Let me out of here. Help. Help. Yeah, Amos, and that's the whole story. Yeah, that's a terrible thing, Andy, finding another man in your bed. Oh, yeah, it was a mess, Amos. He ran out the back way, and I run out the front way. Yeah, well, uh, how did you get that bunk on your head, Andy? Oh, well, that. Uh, on the way out, I slipped on a dead fish and landed in the breezeway again. <laughs> uh, you say that you ain't got no idea who this man was you found in bed? No. When the kingfish rented me the place, he didn't say nothing about no other man. I'm beginning to see here, you rented the place from the kingfish, huh? Yeah. Did you ever stop to think that the kingfish might have rented this place to one other fella? Well, now, why would the kingfish want to do that? After all, in the past, we has always been buddies. I mean, he never tried to jip me to, uh... I mean, he ain't never tried to pull no, uh... I mean, uh... Holy mackerel, Amos, he's done it again. You know, if I was you, I'd get hold of that kingfish right away and straighten this nonsense out, Andy. Yeah, I'm going to call him up right away. Say, by the way, Amos, could any of your kids use a turtle? I found this in the pocket of my nightie when I got out of the breezeway. Now, take it easy, Andy. Ain't no sense in hollering me on the telephone. Yeah, well, the whole thing was a mistake. No, you can't have your money back. I'll work the thing out. Just give me time, Andy. Well, I know. All right, all right. I'll call you back later. Goodbye. Oh, me, what a mess. I rent the place to Andy and Sapphire rents it to Mr. Jackson. One of them has got to go. I, uh... Well, if it ain't Algonquin, Jack Calhoun. Now, hi, you kingfish. Yeah, come on in here. Uh, what brings you over here, Algonquin? Well, I was over making a political speech in the park. Oh, making a political speech? Oh, making a speech, huh? I'll say. I climbed up on my soapbox and made the greatest speech of my career. I stood on that soapbox and I said, Ladies and gentlemen, I is for clean government. We must wash our hands of vice and corruption. The time has come to scrub away the stigma of bribery, to bathe ourselves in democracy and freedom. Yeah, well, uh, did you get many votes? No, but I sure sold a lot of soap. <laughs> uh, well, I got a different problem, uh, uh, Gonky. Look here. Yeah. I rented a, a vacation cottage up in the Catskill Mountains to Andy, and my wife then rented it to a Mr. Jackson. Yeah. And last night, they both discovered each other up there 
in the place at the same time. Uh-oh. That's a nasty business, Kingfish. A nasty business. <laughs> somebody got to go. Well, now, I tell you what I want to do. I want to keep Andy up there because he's paying me $200. Yeah. He's a $200 man, but I want to unrun it from Jackson. Of course, he only paying me a hundred dollars. See the idea that he 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 paying me half. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing to do is is, is, is to scare this fellow Jackson out of there. Scare him? Scare him? Yeah, you know that's pretty wild country up there in the Catskills, and you could make him think it's too dangerous to live up there. Tell him that there's some wild animals or something in the woods. Oh, that's a great idea, Calhoun. Yeah. 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 Tell him the animals. Yeah, I'll tell Andy the truth about this yeah. and get him to go up there and help me scare this fella Jackson up. Yeah, yeah. Well, when it comes to your vacation, I hope you don't have no trouble like this, Calhoun. Oh, I ain't gonna have no trouble. I does the same things every summer. Well, every Sunday I goes out to Coney Island and rides the biggest roller coaster they got. Yeah, well, don't you get scared on that roller coaster, Calhoun? Scared? Kingfish? When it goes down that first dip, I screams out loud. By the time it hits the bottom, I is blubbering like a baby. <laughs> when the ride is over, it takes two minutes to get me out the car. Oh, Kingfish, I is a whippering, blubbering mess. I have to spend three days in bed before it's, I was well enough to go back and, 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 and ride that thing again on the next Sunday. <laughs> Holy smokes, Calhoun, if the roller coaster make you that sick, why do you keep going on it? I've got a free pass. Oh. <laughs> the crowning glory of any TV set is its sound system. No matter how good a picture you get, you can't enjoy a show thoroughly unless the sound is sparkling clear. In the field of television sound, CBS sets stand alone with their famous 360 full-fidelity sound system. The very same system that has received worldwide acclaim in hi-fi phonographs. As you probably know, 360 sound uses two speakers. But let me point out that the number of speakers is by no means the whole story. In the CBS 360 system, these two speakers are specially matched and specially designed with deep cones and heavy voice coil magnets. They are powered by a specially designed amplifier that handles a wide range of sound without distortion. These speakers face in opposite directions so that sound reaches you from all around. The whole room plays. And here's something else that's mighty important. Not only does the 360 system sound better than anything else you've ever heard in television, but you'll be conscious of an improvement in picture quality, too. And that's not just a claim. It's a fact proved in a recent psychological test. For a new experience in TV, go on down to your dealers and see and hear a CBS television set. 21-inch models start at $149.95. <laughs> Mr. Jackson, it was nice of you to phone me, and I'm awfully sorry to hear you had all this trouble. Yes, Mrs. Stevens. I'm phoning you from the hardware store in the village near the cottage. After what happened last night, I came down here to the hardware store and bought myself a gun. Well, I'm sure when my husband gets there tonight, he, he'll straighten the whole thing out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, 
dark up here at Dismal Dell tonight, ain't it, Kingfish? Well, now, Henry, uh, here's the cottage. Now, listen to this. Yeah. I go in here and talk to Mrs. Jackson like I told you I was going to do. Mm-hmm. Now, you know what you're going to do to help me scare him away. Yeah, sure. I'm going to hide in the bushes and pull this string with the rosin on it through this big tin can like this. <laughs> yeah, good, Andy, good. Now, that really sounds like a mountain lion, all right. Yeah. Oh, that really ought to scare Now, get over in the bushes there, and when I get in the cottage, and I was there for about two, three minutes. Yeah. You make a noise like a mountain lion. Yeah, well, uh, say, tell me something. Uh, you sure we're doing the right thing here, Kingfish? Couldn't backfire nothing, could it? Oh, of course not, Andrew. Yeah, well, I hope this string and can don't make no noise like a female mountain lion. Because if a male mountain lion heard the thing and come around, I sure hate to see his expression when he found out it was just a tin can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, never mind that, Andy. Now, tell you what, you get on over there in the woods, and I go in there now and talk to Mr. Jackson. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll be going over there. I'll see you. I'll see you. Hmm. Mr. Jackson got his lights turned on. He must be in all right. I'd better knock on the bias here. I don't want to go through that breezeway again. <laughs> I shouldn't have too much trouble with this fellow. Yes? Yes, what is it? Uh, don't be alarmed, Miss Jackson. Uh, I ain't no wild beast from out of the woods. Uh, I was only your landlord. Oh, you must be Mr. Stevens. Won't you come in? Uh, just dropped in to see if you was comfortable up here in this lonely, desolate spot. Well, I was telling your wife, I had quite an experience last night. Hmm. Woke up in the middle of the night, and there was this man in my bed. You don't mean to tell me. Mm. Well, uh, you got a break anyway. At least you wasn't sharing the covers with a coyote or something like that. Uh, it was a frightening experience. Well, just being such a wild part of the woods, almost anything could happen, you see. Yeah, I tell you. Good heavens, what was that? Uh, that, oh, uh, that was just one of them man-eating ferocious mountain lions that scared me. <laughs> Sounds like he's pretty hungry tonight, don't he? You mean there are mountain lions up here? Oh, yeah, yeah. The woods is full of them. Uh, I rented the place last year to a man and woman with eight kids. And he took my advice and he counted them every morning before breakfast. <laughs> the second week, he started coming up shy. Of course, I reduced the rent as the season wore on, you see. <laughs> hmm, sounds like he's ready for a blue plate dinner tonight, don't he? Well... I'm certainly glad I'm prepared for something like this. Uh, prepared? Yes, after that little episode with that prowler last night, I went into town and bought myself a gun. Yeah, well, I'm glad you, uh, you, you said about uh, 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 a gun. Yes, <laughs> Wellington, 30 caliber with a telescopic sight. I'll go and get it. I'll fix that mountain. Yeah, well, while you're gone, I'll go out on the porch and see if I can scare the mountain lion away. <laughs> mountain lion, mountain lion. <laughs> Shut up, you fool, and listen. <laughs> mountain lion, there's a man coming out here with a gun. Petty caliber Remington. Beat it, mountain lion. Beat it. Hey, I've got my gun. Well, uh, it's, it's too late, Mr. Jackson. He done gone off in the woods. Wait a minute. I see it between the trees. Maybe I can get a shot. <laughs> oh, you missed him. Hmm. Uh, something wrong, mister? Well, I know I'm nervous. 
but I could have sworn that mountain lion had on a derby. <laughs> Stephen, I don't know what's going on here, but I'm moving out. I want my money back. Yeah, well, I'm sorry, Mother, but you can move out if you want to, but I ain't giving you your money back. Look, are you trying to jip me here? No, I can't help it if you're scared and move it out on your own violation. You can't get no money back from me. Ha, ha, ha. What was that? I was just cocking the gun here. That was $100 even, wasn't it, Mr. I got it. George Stevens, I ain't gonna spend my vacation up there in Dismaldale, and that's that. Yeah, but we got her, honey. Mr. Jackson done moved out, and after the shooting, Andy won't have no part of the place. He demanded his money back. Well, I ain't going to no place that's liable to be flooded. Now, look, Sapphire, look here. A couple of days of sunshine, and the place will be as dry as toast. The rainy season's over. I guarantee you that. Ain't gonna rain no more. Well, all right, George. Oh, good. I guarantee you. Yeah, but I hope you're right, because we ain't got no money to go no place else. Guess we'll just have to make the best of that cottage. But let me warn you, George. You know what dampness will do to Mama's lumbago. And if anything happens to spoil this vacation, I'll never forgive you the rest of my life. Well, good morning, Sapphire, darling. Your Mama's still sleeping behind the other curtain there, so I brung your breakfast into you. How'd you sleep your first night at good old Dismal Dell? George, I was just looking out the window here. It's raining. Oh, no, honey. Just a little slight spring drizzle, we call it. Now, look, George Stevens, you don't think there's going to be another flood, do you? No, no, honey. Uh, You read in the newspaper, the flood season is over. Oh, we is a good mile from the lake, and anyway, the house is on six-foot piling. No water can come in here this time of year. Well, all right, George. Oh, say, you forgot the coffee. Yeah, I was waiting for the milk. Uh, I'll go out on the porch and see if it's come in yet. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, uh, holy mackerel, Sapphire. Look what's floating in the front door. What is you doing to that poor old TV set? Trying to wreck it? No, sir. I is unwrecking it. I is creating the greatest contribution ever made to the ancient art of tuning in a TV set. Yeah, well, that's nice, Andy. Tell me about it. Well, you know the nuisancey way you always had to tune a TV set. All them twiddly little dials with the squinty little numbers. All that bending down and reaching around. Oh, yeah? Boy, that's gone. With my new system, the channel numbers is big and easy reading. And they are spread out clean across the front of the set. And under the numbers, there's just this one handy little knob. Then, when you want to switch from channel four to channel two, you just swoosh that knob across, and there you is. Oh, uh, where is that? You is locked in tune for good. That's where you is. Well, Andy, there's just one thing about this invention of yours. It has already been invented by the CBS Columbia people. They calls it sweep tuning. You mean to say that CBS Columbia has done beat me to the draw? They already got this quickest, handiest station selector ever invented? They sure has. That's the sweep tuning everybody's been talking about. What's more, you can get sweep tuning in a 21-inch CBS TV set 
for only $149.95. Hey, where are you going, Dan? Got to get to my dealer before he's sold out of them CBS sweep tuning sets. Yeah, wait a minute here. Uh, take your old set along with you. Get yourself a real nice trade-in. Well, folks, we'd like to say goodnight for our sponsors, CBS Columbia, manufacturers of America's most advanced radio and television receivers. Thank you and goodnight. See you next Sunday. Be sure to be with us at this same time next Sunday for the Amos and Andy Show, transcribed and directed by Cliff Howell. Tonight's program was brought to you by CBS Columbia, manufacturers of full-fidelity television receivers. And for a real treat in TV entertainment, tune in Life with Father, presented every week by CBS Columbia over the CBS Television Network. See your paper for time and station. Now, stay tuned for Our Miss Brooks, which follows immediately over most of these same radio stations. This next one is um, the Bickersons. And, you know, they're just, you know, your average family. And uh, I like them pretty good. Some of the others I like better, like Fibber McGee, but, uh, Fibber McGee and Molly, but uh, the Bickersons are funny too, and this one is called Reading the Wheel. Say, Ken. Yes, Edgar. Speaking of early morning grouches reminds me, have you heard any more from those bickering Bickersons? Did you ever, did, did they ever get to her uncle's house to hear the reading of the will? Oh, yes, Edgar. That's quite a story. <laughs> a great deal of trouble, the Bickersons arrived safe, but not too sound, at the palatial home of Mrs. Bickerson's dear departed uncle. At the reading of the will, due to its conclusion, the lawyer, Mr. Creamer, prepared to leave. Oh, Mr. Creamer. Mr. Creamer. Yes, miss? I don't understand it. My name wasn't mentioned at all. Didn't he leave me anything? Uh, what is your name, miss? Blanche. My married name is Bickerson. I was his favorite niece. Are you sure that's the only will? Uh, positive. Good night, Mrs. Bickerell. Bickerson. Oh, yes, Bickerson. Good night. Oh, dear. How am I going to break the news to John? He hasn't slept for three nights waiting to hear how much I inherited. Well, maybe the shock will put him to sleep. i better go tell him. Sure, what'd you get? Nothing. He cut me off without a cent. I told you. 
Blanche, I warned you 50,000 times. You build up a lot of dreams. I suppose our whole marriage will go on the rocks now that I'm not an heiress. Well, what kind of talk is that? I just feel a little cause trouble. How do I know you'll stick by me? I'll stick. How do I know? I'm stuck. <laughs> Why don't you stop filling around that mirror and put out the light? I have to get undressed, don't I? Well, take your dress off. Why are you plucking your eyebrows at this time of the night? I'm not plucking my eyebrows. I'm taking off my false eyelashes. False eyelashes? Yes. I didn't know you had bald eyelids. My eyelids are not bald. Just my lashes are short and they don't bring out my eyes. Lots of women use false eyelashes. Well, throw them away. You don't need anything to bring out your eyes. Really? Really. I'm satisfied with the way they bulge now. Oh, hurry up, Blanche. I'm groggy. Are you ready for bed now? Yes, I'm ready. But I won't sleep. You'll sleep. I can't fathom it. Why should Uncle Thurman do that to me? Why, John? Why what? Why should he disinherit me? I can't help feeling that there must be another will, a later one. After all, this one was dated 1946. But what of it? Why would a man make out his will in 1946 and then decide to live until 1948? <laughs> Inconsiderate. Stop thinking about the will. Tomorrow we'll be home and be out of our lives completely. I wish I was home right now. I wish you were, too. What's that? Nothing, nothing. Night. I hope everything's all right in the apartment. Did you lock the front door before we left? Hmm. You put fresh sand in the cat's bed? Fresh sand. I hope you cleaned the canary's cage. I didn't have to. Why not? I hung it upside down. <laughs> And who will take care of him? The cat will take care of him. John Vickers. Oh, the canary's all right. I hung the cage over the goldfish bowl. I can't trust you to do the simplest things. You promised that you'd take care of the animals and remember the milkman. I took care of everything, I tell you. You did not. I did, too. I sanded the cat, I scaled the goldfish, and I polished off the canary. What about the milkman? I milked him. Blanche, why don't you let me sleep? You know I have to get up early. I have to travel 80 miles to get to work. You never did like that job, did you, John? I loathe it. You don't think much of your boss either, do you? Think much of him. He's a cheap, crooked, slave-driving miser. That's what I told him. You what? I phoned him before we left. Oh, Blanche, you didn't. No woman calls her husband's boss and insults him. How will I face the man tomorrow? You don't have to. I quit for you. Well, what did you do that for? Well, I thought I was going to inherit all of my Uncle Thurman's money. How would it look for a wealthy woman to be married to a billiard ball salesman? Bowling balls. Oh, I should think you'd be grateful to me. It's time you went in business for yourself anyway. Business for myself with what? I'm lucky if I get another job. You'd better get another job. Don't think you're going to loaf around the house and live off my legacy. What legacy? You said your uncle didn't leave you a dime. Oh, I forgot. Well, anyhow, I didn't know that when I called your boss. Oh, you shouldn't have done it, Blanche. Well, I'm sorry, John. I'll call him tomorrow and apologize. No, let it go. You must think I'm just awful. No, I don't think you're awful. You don't act like you love me. I act. <laughs> I'll go to sleep. Well, aren't you going to kiss me goodnight? I'll kiss you goodnight in the morning. Why can't you kiss me now? I'm not facing that way. 
I gotta get up in the morning and look for a job. There's only six hundred dollars in our bank account. Four hundred. The six hundred I checked it Friday. You didn't check it Saturday. <laughs> I drew out two hundred dollars. You drew out two hundred dollars? To pay for my rumble lesson. What rumble lesson? Well, I enrolled with Arthur Murray. It's the most wonderful course, John, and you should Blanche, how could you squander my money like that? I deny myself everything. For six months, I've been walking around with a broken wrist just to save on doctor bills. I eat all a pair of shorts every morning. I die for myself with a roller towel. I never spend a nickel on myself. You bought a woolen tie yesterday. What woolen tie? That was a hunk of weather stripping to block the holes in my pants. What am I going to do here? Hello. Hello, Harlan. This is Pelfa. Huh? What's good Pelfa, your Australian representative? I just want to let you know that I closed that kangaroo deal for the bag. Kangaroo? Why can I see you, Thurman? You can't see me at all, and I'm not Thurman. Thurman's departed. Oh, really? How can I get in touch with him? Drop dead! Why does the phone have to be in my room? Don't be upset, John. Oh, how can I help it? Oh, I wish there was something I could say that would make you feel better. Say good night. I know I did the wrong thing about those rumble lessons, John. But you mustn't forget I banked so much on getting Uncle Thurman's money. Yeah, I know. Please don't be angry with me. Forget it. All I want to do now is sleep. Yes, dear. John. Oh. I realize I do a lot of silly things, but I'm not any worse than the average wife. Am I? Hmm. You're satisfied with your married life, aren't you, John? Aren't you? Are you satisfied with your married life? Yes, thanks. I've had all I want. Good night, John. And you just can't hardly have a family comedy show without having the Burns and Allen show, because Gracie is just as ditzy as they come. And uh, she won't disappoint you in this one, either. <laughs> it's called Surprise Platform. Welcome, my friends, the Heinz Honey and Almond Cream Program. Vote for Gracie. 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 Starring George Burns and Gracie Allen with Frank Parker, Ray Noble and his orchestra, and Truman Bradley speaking. And our little candidate who has a song in her heart and a kangaroo in a dressing room, Heinz Honey, Gracie Allen. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. Hello. Well, Gracie, how's your campaign coming along? Oh, it's been keeping me so busy, I haven't had time to think about it. Your campaign's been keeping you so busy? Well, no, the trouble at home. The maid walked in last night and caught my aunt kissing my uncle. The maid caught your uh, uncle kissing your aunt? Yeah, it was her day off. They didn't expect her home so soon. Well, uh, what happened? What happened? The maid said to my aunt, one of us will have to go. <laughs> so? So the maid left. Oh, good, good, good. And my uncle left with her. <laughs> your uncle left with her? Yeah, well, what did he have to lose? It was downhill anyway. <laughs> what did your aunt do? Oh, what could she do? She went to see a picture with the butler. 
With the butler? Well, you see, the gardener had already seen the picture. Look, while this was going on, what was the chauffeur doing? Oh, he was in Reno getting a divorce from the maid. Nice to the family you got there. Hello. Oh, hello, Frank. Hello, Pinky. Oh, I'll never forget how my uncle met my aunt. She went in Bullock to buy a girdle, and he sold her a lawnmower. <laughs> Must have been a beautiful romance. Oh, it was love at first sight. She had never seen a lawnmower before. <laughs> well, those things are pretty rare. Yes. But did she ever buy the girdle? Oh, of course. And when she wears it, she's got a lot of class. She has it. Yeah, it sticks out all over her. <laughs> yeah, she's probably got her good point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a good judge. Like it, huh? <laughs> Say, Gracie, when you're elected and I'm Postmaster General, I've got a great idea to simplify the postal service. You have? Sure. I'm going to put my picture on all the stamps. That'll make telegrams very popular. <laughs> you see? And by the expression on my face, you'll be able to tell what's in the letter before you open it. Oh, well, give me a for instance. Yeah, give her a for instance. Well, well, now, look, if the stamp shows a picture of me smiling, yeah. it's a love letter. Hmm. And if I'm crying, it's a bill. Hmm. If it shows me winking, I met a new girl. And if it shows me with both eyes closed, <laughs> I met a husband. <laughs> You know, Frank, my fit. <laughs> Pardon me. Hello? <laughs> well, thanks. Say, that staff idea is great, Frank. Suppose I want to write a letter and tell people how to make rough red hands soft, smooth, and white. What would I use? A two-cent stamp. I'd use Heinz Honey and Almond Cream. Yeah. You know, I'd give my right arm to have somebody say something sensible on this program. Georgia, ma'am, would you give your left arm? Why my left arm? I've got a right arm. You, you had a head, you could scratch it. Maybe we're better off talking about my aunt and uncle, huh? Gracie, will you stop with your aunt and uncle? Well, I can't. They're stopping with us. Well, we're back, folks. Oh, but I'll never forget their honeymoon. They went to Niagara Falls and stopped at this lovely hotel. That's it. And after a wonderful champagne dinner or two, yes. at about uh, 11 o'clock, after everybody was asleep, uh-huh. my uncle went over the falls in a barrel. <laughs> Gracie, that uncle that went over the falls in a barrel, is that on your father's side? No, it's on the Canadian side. <laughs> You're a little on the nutty side. Oh, Josh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I say, Gracie, I've been reading a lot about these pocket battleships and the Secretary of the Navy. I think they're absolutely absurd. Why, Ray? Well, I think it's jolly difficult for a sailor to swim with a battleship in his pocket. <laughs> well, Ray, you can always put a zipper on it and it won't fall out. That's right. There's an idea. Yes. Uh, oh, and when the fleet is out at sea, I'm going to put Venetian blinds on the portholes. <laughs> Venetian blinds, huh? Yes, those peeping toms are quite annoying, old boy. <clears throat> say, Ray, why don't you have my party emblem, the kangaroo, tattooed on all the sailors' chests? I say, that's not a bad idea. Yeah, then they can keep their tobacco in the pouch. <laughs> say, a thing like that, kangaroo, up to be a fag. <laughs> oh, 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 How do you like that, Frank? <laughs> Curly hair. Curly hair? It kinks. It does, that. <laughs> Secretary of the Navy, I'm going to make my uncle your first assistant sailor. First assistant sailor? Well, why not? His middle name is Yacht. Yacht, that's a pretty yeah, name. Well, we only call him Yacht for short. His whole name is Idiot. Oh, Idiot. <laughs> that's the one that eloped with the maid. Yes. Mm. Gracie, we can't allow your uncle on my ship if he has that maid with him. It's against naval regulations. 
Well, what do you want me to do, Ray? Just send the maid down alone. Oh. Gracie, stop giving out jobs. You know nothing about politics. Oh, yeah? Oh, yeah. What would you do if a senator tried to filibuster? Well, I'd give him bicarbonate soda. Well, I'm sorry I brought it up. President, you don't even know what the amendments are. Yeah, which one? Anyone. The 14th. You mean the one about not abridging citizenship rights? Well, is that the... Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Oh, well, the gist of that amendment is no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States. Well. Nor shall any state deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. It's amazing. Nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protections of the laws. Proposed June 13, 1868, adopted July 21, 1868, ratified by July 28, 1868. Oh, Gracie, how did you happen to know all of that? Oh, I just took a wild guess. A wild guess, huh? <laughs> if your hands are chapped and sandpapery from all this raw, stinging March wind, then here's a smart tip. Keep a bottle of Heinz Honey and Almond Cream in your coat closet. Smooth Heinz on your hands and face always before you go outdoors and again when you come inside. Heinz is a grand help against chapping. It's extra creamy, extra softening, and contains two vitamins, A and D. Every creamy drop of Heinz feels good and soothing to tender skin. And that reminds me, you know how hard children work at their play. They get outdoors these days to roller skate or play games. And their tender little hands and knees get so rough and chapped. See that they smooth Heinz on face, hands, and knees to help keep their skin smooth and comfortable. Men enjoy Heinz as an after-shaving lotion, too. It works swell with electric shavers. Not sticky, just feels soothing and refreshing to sensitive skin. You can get Heinz Honey and Almond Cream at the nearest toilet goods counter. It comes in 10, 25, 50 cent, and dollar sizes. Start using Heinz Honey and Almond Cream tonight for softer, smoother skin. Now, Frank Parker. Thanks, Drew. From the musical play, Walk a Little Faster, we find a typical topical song entitled April in Paris by Vernon Duke. April in Paris, chestnuts in blossom, holiday tables under the tree.
Frank, that was grand. I never heard you in better voice. Well, nice of you to say that. Well, you know, you seem to be getting better each week. Really? Do you mean it? Well, if I didn't Frank, mean it, I wouldn't Frank, say it. Frank, Frank, I was a... Frank, you're... T- uh, you're, uh, you're talking to yourself. Well, it's the only way I can get an intelligent answer on this program. <laughs> you know, you're certainly stuck on you, and I do mean glue. Mm-hmm. The feeling is mucilage. Oh, get out of there. <laughs> oh, I'll take it. Take it, Gracie. Hello. This is Tyne Sonny, also known as Gracie Allen, presidential candidate on surprise party ticket holders in our convention in Omaha, May 15, 16, 17, and 18. Who's calling, please? <laughs> oh, just a minute. I'll see if she's in. Gracie, it's for you. You're Gracie. Oh, I am. <laughs> see what you started, Frank? Hello. Who? Oh, hello, Andy. I didn't recognize my voice. What? What? Talk louder. Where are you talking from? Well, you'd better go in the other room where the phone is. <laughs> George, my aunt is so very silly. You'd never know it. Hello? Oh, hello, Andy. That's much better. Our uncle and the maid back? Oh, you are. Oh, that's good. That's bad. That's good. No, that's bad. That's bad. That's good. That's bad. That's good. That's good. That's good. That's bad. Gracie! What's going on there? Oh, my aunt is sorting a box of strawberries. That's good. Yeah. That's bad. Give me that phone. Goodbye. I wish your relatives would stop calling. Oh, hello, Bubbles. Hello, Bubbles. Oh, hello. How do you feel, Mr. Burns? Well, how do I look? Maybe it's something you ate. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, I feel just as young as Georgie Jessalay. <laughs> Hey, that's right. I read that. Say, is it true that Jess was going to marry a 15-year-old girl? That's on the papers. Oh, maybe he's marrying her for her money? Yes. <laughs> Either that or she's a swell cook. Yes. Say, Frank, did you know they're each bringing a school chum to act as best man and maid of honor? Really? Yes. She's bringing Shirley Temple and he's bringing George Alice. <laughs> yes. And if, uh, if, you know, I'll tell you something. If she marries Jessel, she couldn't marry a nicer fellow. Well, you're perfectly right. You know, he proposed to me about 32 years ago. Really? Uh, what did you say? Da-da. <laughs> I, saw, I saw a picture in the paper, and she's certainly a beautiful young girl. Oh, she certainly is. Mm. And you know, she comes from a very young family. Her grandmother's only 19. 19? And her father isn't born yet. Isn't born yet? That's what it said in the New York papers. They're expecting him to arrive any day now. Yeah, that's what Dr. Kildare keeps telling them down at the office. Uh-huh. I don't know what the papers are so upset about. When she's 92, he'll only be 147. Well, that's nice. Then they can grow old together. Now, you take my drummer. When he was 55, he married a girl of 14. How did that happen? Jessel was out of town. <laughs> yeah, probably playing Lowe's Afghanistan. <laughs> George, we'll have to send the bride and groom a nice present. Yeah, something they can both use. Yeah. Ha, how about a lollipop with a cigar on the other end? Well, I don't know. The difference between 50 and 40 is only 25. That's not so much. Yeah. If it is, George, you can always get the 10 cent size. That's, well, who said that? Or if that's too little, get the 50 cent size. And then, of course, there's always the dollar size. Of what? You know, that soothing stuff that you can get at all toilet discounts. Yeah, but what is it? You know, it comes in bottles. Yeah, but what is it? Oh, George, you made me say it. Hi, Antonio Norman. Yeah, I forced you. I forced you. <laughs> say, Gracie, 
Do you know that 25,000 members of the Whiskerina Club in Omaha have passed a rule that all men have got to have whiskers to come to your convention? 25,000 sets of whiskers? Uh -huh. Oh, that ought to sweep me into office. Mm. <laughs> well, I don't like the idea of a beard, but it might grow on me. Oh, <laughs> oh George, that's a scream. <laughs> yes, I'm another Boris Carlo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, George, uh, a beard would be very becoming to you. Oh, thanks. You look like a nerd. They are peeping through a hedge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's the matter with my face? George, do you shave yourself? Certainly. You ever cut yourself? No. Isn't it a temptation? Leslie, <laughs> <laughs> I still can't see why we have to all have beards to go to your convention. Oh, that's my slogan. Vote for Gracie and see America fuzz. America fuzz. <laughs> and Gracie... You know, your campaign mail is pouring in. Now, here's a letter from the engineers of the Colorado State College at Fort Collins. And at their annual banquet on March 23rd, they endorsed you for president. Oh, am I honored. And Indiana University has also endorsed you. Oh, am I thrilled. And the Miami University in, my, in Florida has endorsed you. Am I pale? Pale? Yeah, from being endorsed too much. <laughs> well, how do you like that, Frank? Garbo's feet. Garbo's feet. Plenty of socks. Well, I certainly put my foot in that. Oh, George. Yes, I'm the devil. This and is I know this is wonderful. 4,000 students at San Jose State College are holding a Gracie Allen ball on March 29th. Oh, isn't that wonderful? I'll be able to dance 4,000 times. You mean you're going to dance with 4,000 college boys? Sure. Isn't that pretty strenuous? Well, not as strenuous as sitting them out, if you know what I mean. I think I know what you mean. <laughs> Gracie... In raising this beard for your convention now, uh, how often do I have to water it? Well, um, a convention should be watered once a month. Well, that's a nice piece of dialogue. <laughs> well, Gracie, I'll raise half a beard, and if the people in Omaha like it, well, I'll raise the other half. Yes. Well, that's fair Do that enough. and go and talk to Austin Wells. And, Gracie, did you know that the Delta chapter of the Phi Kappa Sigma at Washington and Jefferson College is nominating you for president April 27th at their quadrennial convention. At their quadrennial convention? Uh -huh. Isn't that wonderful? I didn't even know quadrennials were in season. Gracie, do you know what quadrennial means? Quadrennials, let's see. It's, um... Uh, How do you spell quadrennial? Uh, very poorly. It's a sort of a um, bluish-white, more like a green. Sort of like a circle. Yeah, and the more you shave it, the longer it grows, and the longer it grows, the come shorter on, it gets, and the shorter on, it gets, the longer the quadrennials. Come on, come on, Gracie, I...
right. That was simply great. Right. You know, the newspapers all over the country are waiting for your party platform. Oh, yes, I was working on it last night, and I'll read what I've written. <clears throat> the text of the surprise party platform is outlined by candidate Gracie Allen. Prank number one, unemployment and where to get it. <laughs> unemployment and where to get it? Uh, yeah, no, please, Judge, I thought of it first. Yes, that's yours. Under my administration, the government will give free correspondence courses so that people who can't find jobs in their own line will soon be without jobs in three or four different types of work. Well, that's nice work if you can't get it. Uh, for instance, yes. I'll teach people to milk cows by mail. By mail? How to raise mushrooms under twin beds. Oh, that's amazing. How to get good bridge hands when it's your deal. Well, you must be elected. 200 things to do with an old toupee and so forth. Well, that's not a platform. That's a laundry shoe. Now, George, I'm reading. Oh, yes. I'll even give a home course in barbering if I can get Montana to cooperate. Well, I'll talk to him. My plan is to send each student barber a live sheep and a razor. <laughs> that's a lovely plan. Then when he's learned to shave the sheep, he can write his own diploma on the sheep's back. <laughs> Where does he learn to write? No. Oh, you're coming to that. Uh, this is better than having a sheepskin in a picture frame, because with a live sheep hanging on his wall, a barber will have something to wipe his hands on. Well, that's not bad. Now, <laughs> now plant number two. Yes. It's uh, based on a moral. A moral. Moral. To prevent wrinkles, hang your face up at night. You don't wear your pants to bed, do you? <laughs> Just what this country needs. Of course. Mm. And it's uh, covered under this heading. My plan for sociable security. Sociable security? Yes. To uh, be secure sociably, stay away from society. Say, that's good. It's terrific. Uh, dinner parties are getting so witty that even if you find the right soup spoon, you're still puzzled. You don't know which fork to pick it up with. <laughs> that's why they put pencils on the end of erasers. George, do you want to hear this or don't you? I don't. Well, then listen. Mm. There are more rules of etiquette than traffic laws. For instance, if a gentleman is lying under a table in a nightclub, should he rise if a lady comes in? No, just tip his ice bag. And, uh, and say, how do? Yes. Yes. And, how do? Um, <laughs> yes. George, and what should a girl do after a gentleman brings her home from a cafe? Should she ask him in to meet her husband? <laughs> well, should she? Well, that's the Republicans' answer that. Mm. <laughs> Gracie, I'd like to ask you one thing. What does your surprise party stand for? Well, because it would look silly lying down. Mm. Well, number three. You Which know, I the... don't think Social Security is any problem at all. All you have to do is have trousers come with two pairs of suspenders. Yeah, and that could hold up the budget at the same time. <laughs> now, Gracie, in your platform, aren't you going to say anything about finances? Finances? I certainly am. I think every girl should have one. <laughs> one? Frank Parker has three. I have four. Four sweethearts? Who are they? Don Wilson. Yeah, that male quartet with six delicious flavors. And now for prank number three, which is also based on a moral. What's the idea of all these morals? Well, they're mostly to fill the cracks between the planks. Mm. So that it matches your head. Mm -hmm. Thought so, yes. Just turn it up to take it. Hello. Hello, you remember me, Charlie Henderson, the fellow who wrote the campaign song? Oh, yes. Hello, Charlie. Hello, Mr. Henderson. Uh, you're Mr. Henderson, and what is it you want? I want to talk to Charlie. Look, uh, I'm George Burns. Oh, wait, I'll see if he's in. Here, Gracie, you talk to him. I'm going nuts. Oh, hello, Charlie. Hello, Gracie. Well, 
Look, I'll be a trifle late. On my way to meet you, I got on a one-way street, and it took me a little out of my way. Well, where are you? In Salt Lake City. <laughs> well, don't worry. Instead of an 8.30 dinner, we'll make it 8.45. Goodbye. Bye. He came down to meet you here when he's in Salt Lake City? Well, you see, he washed his car this morning. He can't do a thing with it. <laughs> well, he ought to trade it in for a rattle. Uh, prank number three. Bigger figures for small businessmen. Bigger figures for small businessmen. That's to keep their bustles out of the red, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Uh, chicken in every pot is fine if you're not the chicken. I see. But what this country needs is a pretty girl on every lap. Say, you've got something there. Sure, idle knees are the root of all evil. Idle knees? Plank right. number four. Hello, Gracie. Oh, hello, Charlie. Do you mean to say you came all the way from Salt Lake City in two minutes? I would have been here sooner, only I had an accident. An accident? I went through the windshield. Atta boy. Please. Don't pat me on the back. My head keeps falling off. <laughs> well, I've had enough of this. Plank number four. Immortality. And I've had enough of that, too. I've had enough of these things. Vote for Gracie. Vote for Gracie. The best little skipper in the land. Vote for Gracie. Vote for Gracie. Won't you please give this little girl a hand? Even big politicians don't know what to do. Gracie doesn't know himself, but neither do you. So vote for Gracie to win the presidential race. A hundred million strong. That's right, you can't go wrong. Vote for Gracie. If there's anything that you want done, just tell me all about it now, and you'll get it done and how. Cup and here comes Parker. Cup and here comes Parker. When I watch mail go down the chute, I will need a vocal substitute. So tell whomever it concerns to hereby delegate to Georgie Burns. Cup and here comes Noble. Cup and here comes Noble. I've been thinking for some time that Congress ought to talk in rhyme. It seems quite silly, I suppose, but I get awfully bored with prose. Clap hands, here comes bubble. Clap hands, here comes bubble. Now listen, and I'll state my case. The thing that I need most is space. Instead of good five-cent cigars, I want wider Pullman cars. Clap hands, here comes Bradley. folks down in Washington that washing dishes isn't fun. But still your hands can be a dream. Just use Heinz honey and almond cream. Clap hands, here comes Georgie. Clap hands, here comes Georgie. Now, I don't like to be a pest, but I have just one small request. If you should answer, King, King, I want the king to hear me sing, oh, eight minutes to heaven, all by myself. Eight minutes to heaven. Million strong. That's right, you 
of Gracie's campaign song, Vote for Gracie, a song the whole country is humming. You get the sheet music, including the words, are Vote for Gracie. The tune and the verses are grand for those evenings of fun around the piano. Just write your name and address on the back of a Heinz honey and almond cream carton, the 25, 50 cent, or dollar size, or send two 10 cent Heinz cartons to Gracie Allen, Hollywood, California. In a few days, you receive your copy of Gracie's campaign song, Vote for Gracie. There's a picture of Gracie on the cover, too, and let me tell you she's a honey. Now act quickly. This offer is for a short time only. Send your name and address tonight on a Heinz carton. Mail your envelope to Gracie Allen, Hollywood, California. And use your Heinz honey and almond cream every day to help keep your hands soft and pretty in spite of housework. Heinz is extra creamy, extra softening, and contains two vitamins A and D. Every drop of this creamy emulsion goes right to work, easing away that dry, rough, chapped look, helping your hands to stay soft, sweet, and kissable. You can get Heinz honey and almond cream at the nearest toilet goods counter. Treat your hands to the soothing comfort of Heinz tonight and send the Heinz carton for your copy of Gracie's campaign song now while the getting is good. Address your carton to Gracie Allen, Hollywood, California. Good night. Good night. What a good hand cream. Try the new Heinz hand cream in jars. It's made with the makers of Heinz honey and almond cream. And like this famous creamy lotion, Heinz hand cream is quick softening for chapped rough hands. In two sizes, 10 cents and 39 cents each at toilet goods counters. This is the Columbia Broadcasting System. And to have a family show, you got to have a doctor. So, um, in this one, uh, it's called Family Doctor. And the show is called False Witness. Hello there. This is the Family Doctor. <laughs> away from hornets after this. <laughs> Don't you worry none about that, Doc. I sure will. Yep. <laughs> Just make sure they're honeybees instead of hornets. <laughs> Thank you, Doc. This sheer mud you slapped on my face and hands sure seems to help a heap. Uh, you drop around tomorrow afternoon about oh, 4.30, Hank, and we'll have another look at you. Well, uh, so long, Doc. How much you buy? Uh, 
Hello there, uh, Maddie. Good morning, Mr. Hazen. Good morning, Dr. Adams. Good yeah, morning, Maddie. You next, are you? Well, I think I am. I should be. I've been waiting long enough. Well, come on in. Sit down in that big chair. <clears throat> uh, Hank Hazen's had a little trouble with his bees. He don't see as good as he used to. Appears to me as how he'd see better if he weren't so vain. Verily, every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Sheila, that's what the good book says. Yeah, it does, eh? Doesn't say nothing about the women, eh? Not in that passage, it don't. <laughs> vain. How do you figure out that Hank's vain, Matty? Well, he won't wear them spectacles. The gold-rimmed ones that you sent away for him first. Says folks will think he's getting decrepit. Why, it's getting so he can't even read the court records he read. Uh, uh, you and Hank had another fallen out? Well, what if we have? That's our business, ain't it? And nobody else's. Yeah, yeah, no, that's right. Absolutely correct. Well, Matty, what's the trouble this time? Oh, Dr. Adams, that misery's come back in my neck and shoulder again. Hey, there. What you been eating? Just what you told me. Half a lemon and hot water in the morning, an apple and some celery at noon, and meat and potatoes just once a day. That's all and nothing more. Nothing more? Uh, well, I did go to the sociable last Wednesday. What'd you eat there? Well, of course, I had to enter into the festivities, like. Oh, yes, and, of course. Yes. Uh, well, they had some of Mrs. Phillips's lamb and curry. Uh-huh. And some of Mrs. Rankin's splendid watermelon pickle. Uh-huh. And some of Mrs. Mason's fresh homemade strawberry ice cream. And, of course, I, I took one of my angel food cakes with the boiled ice, and you know, Dr. Adams, <laughs> the kind you like so well. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. But you see, Maddie, I don't have any misery in my neck and shoulder. No, I... Maddie Clark, that's the trouble with you and people like you. You get something the matter with you, then you expect the doctor to fix you up all by himself. Gosh, Jeff Friday. I, I... He can't do it, Maddie. Why, the human system just like that automobile of mine sitting out there in Maple Street. I've been driving that automobile for six years, and it's as good today as it was the day I bought it. Why? Because I don't go out and put a lot of coal oil and ether in the gas tank. Just because I think it'll it'll be entering into the festivities like. No, no, no sorry, Bob. And you can't do it with the human system, neither. Oh. Well, I'll give you some of these pellets, and then you stop into the drugstore on your way home and get Pete May to give you some more of that same liniment. And then, Matty Clark, you see that you stay with that diet list I gave you. Well, all right, Dr. Adams, but I... Oh, look. What's the matter? There she comes. Who? Judge Sam Windsor's girl, Faith. Well, what's the startling oh, about that? Dr. Adams, ain't you heard? No, can't say the half. Why, it's all over town. It swept Cedarton just like the gales of Galilee. Lady Clark, what are you talking about? Well, you know Faith Windsor's the treasurer of a Sunday school class, the daughters of Naomi? Yes, I heard about that. Well, they were all getting ready for the class picnic next Saturday up to Miller's Lake. And what do you think? I can't. The money's disappeared. What? Yes. All the class funds has just been swept off the face of the earth, so to speak. And I ain't one to carry tales. Oh, of course not. But just at the same time, Faith Windsor came out with a brand new pink organdy. She wore it to the sociable last Wednesday. Well, hasn't Sam Windsor enough money to buy his daughter a new dress if he wants to? No, of course, if he wants to. Stuff, uh, Friday, Maddie Clark, what are you trying to say? Well, I ain't one Are to... you trying to say that little Faith Windsor stole that money? Of course, I don't know that she did, but it looks a mighty suspicious to me. She had the money to her house, didn't she? The money disappeared from the face of the earth, didn't it? And then she comes out with a new organ thing. It isn't true. Well, it's you that started all this terrible talk about me, and, and not one bit of it's true. Do you hear? Not one bit of it. You know I didn't steal that money, but you've got everybody in Cedarton thinking I did, and someday I'm going to prove I didn't do it. And then... And then... <laughs> <laughs> 
I never. What's this younger generation to come into, talking to their elders like we was dumb animals? Uh, well, I uh, think I'd better be getting down to the drugstore. I don't want to delay putting on that liniment. Here's your pellets, Maddie. Oh, yes, of course. Thank you, Dr. Adams. I most forgot them. Well, uh, good day, Dr. Adams. Good day, Maddie. I hope your misery is better. The one in your neck and shoulders, I mean. Thank you kindly. Good day. Not one to carry tales. Gush to Friday. Yep, I have to give Pete May some instructions about a prescription. Well, come in with me. I'll buy you root beer. Oh, all right. Don't mind if I do. Tis my heart. Go ahead. I'll, I'm right with you. Hi, Doc. Morning, Judge. Hello, Pete. Well, what'll it be, gents? Well, I've decided to go hog wild and spend a nickel on Doc Adams. <laughs> Two root beers, Pete. Two root beers, right. Eh... Uh, you haven't seen your daughter lately in the last hour or so, have you, Sam? Fate? No. Why? Well, uh, well, she uh, she was coming over for her pennyroyal, I think. Uh, she and the daughters of Naomi was to have a picnic next Saturday, I understand, and said something about the mosquitoes being pretty bad right now at Miller's Lake. Oh? Well, no, I haven't seen her. There you are, gents. Ice cold and a nickel of glass. <laughs> Thanks, Pete. Well, Doc. Here's how. Yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, you want anything else, Judge? My telephone's ringing. No, oh, that's all for now, Pete. Here, here's your dime. Thanks. The girls ought to have a fine time on their shindig. Beautiful place, Miller's Lake. Beautiful. Been thinking about buying some property up there. Think it'll double in value in the next five years. Oh, Judge, it's for you, uh, Mrs. Windsor. Oh, thanks, Pete. You're right, Black Duck. It's my wife, probably... Forgot to tell me to bring home a watermelon. <laughs> You've been busy lately, Doc? Hello? Oh, no, no. What? People in Cedarton are all this... pretty healthy. Right. Too healthy for you and me, eh, Doc? Right. Right. <laughs> oh, right. Of course, I didn't mean that. I'll bring your wife with me. Doc. Yeah? Doc, you've got to come up to the house with me right away. Oh, well, what's the matter? Faith, she's very sick all of a sudden. Come on, Doc. We'll go in my car. It's right around the corner. Oh, good morning, Judge. Good morning. Here. Come on, Doc. Please hurry. Morning, Pete. Uh, what's the trouble up the windows? Well, now, that's too bad. What is it, Pete? What is it? Yeah? Oh, uh, my Mrs. Windsor just phoned the judge and told him Faith's awful sick. What? Got sick all of a sudden, she said. Faith's sick? Oh, well, all of a sudden? Well, I, I wonder what could be the trouble. <laughs> Mustard and water, and that white of egg did the trick. Ah, now you'll be all right, Faith. Faith, honey, your mother found it. What? Your mother found the money. She did? Oh, I'm 
Blab. Uh, there now, Faith. Now you're going to be all right. Sure she is. As right as right. And she's going to have the best time on that picnic that any girl's ever had anywhere. Uh, you uh, you don't mind telling where Mrs. Windsor found the money, do you, Sam? No, I don't mind. Young Sam Jr. took it. Sammy? Why? He was just playing a prank on you, Faith. Just oh. like a younger brother, he and some of the other boys decided it would be fun to hide those funds. So Faith and the girls couldn't go to their picnic. Oh, I see. And then, when they found out what people around town were saying about Faith, they were scared to give it back. But just as soon as I can get around to it, I've got a prank I'm going to play on him with a hairbrush. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> well, Faith, I'll drop around again this evening just to see how you're getting along. Uh-huh. To fix you up so that you can eat anything you want to on that picnic oh, Saturday. thank you, Dr. Adams. Do you find your way out by yourself, Doc? Oh, yes. <laughs> After 18 years of coming around here, I should. <laughs> well, oh, goodbye right, now. Right. See you later. Oh, well, we meet again, Dr. Adams. Oh, yes, Maddie, we meet again. Small world. Uh, Dr. Adams, I heard that Faith was ailing. Yeah, 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 she was. You'll be all right now. Anything serious? Well, might have been. She ate some rat poison. Rat poison? Yep. She felt so bad about the gossip that was going on around town. You know, about the money. Oh, yes, the money. They found it, though. They did? But where was it? Young Sammy had it hid just as a joke. Oh, oh well, I'm, I'm so glad they found it. I'm glad, too, that they are feeling better. Yeah. If you don't mind my saying so, Matty, I think you should be glad. Well, after all, Dr. Adams, I, I was just trying to do my duty as I saw it. Duty? After all, the scripture says, thou shalt not steal. Oh, oh I see Yes, yes, that's the Eighth Commandment, if I remember rightly. Yes, the Eighth Commandment. Let me see. Uh, do you recollect the Ninth Commandment, Matty? I, I just don't seem to recall it for the minute. The Ninth? What? Oh, yes, I remember it. it. It says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Oh, yes, yes, that's right. False witness. Oh, Dr. Adams, I'm so sorry. Are you, Matty? <laughs> That's good. Doctor, I ain't never going to talk about anybody in Cedarton again. Never. I'm pretty sure you won't, Matty. And say, you'd best get on home now and put some of that liniment on your misery. Yes, sir. The one in your neck and shoulder, I mean. I guess the other one will disappear of its own accord. <laughs>
This is the family doctor. I'll be in to see you again right soon. Goodbye. This next one is uh, Father Knows Best. And y'all might think I'm crazy, but I like the radio version of Father Knows Best better than I like the TV version. I'm not sure why that is, but it just, to me, it just seems like it's funny. Seems like on the TV version, there's too many tears all the time. The name of this one is called An Uncontrolled Dog. Enjoy this, and I'd like to hear from uh, from you, uh, from y'all too, about uh, whether you like uh, the TV version better or the old time radio version better. And I know a lot of it is because being blind, I can get more out of the radio show. But um, but I think the show itself is just funnier. Maxwell House really the only coffee in the world? Well, your father says so, and your father knows best. Yes, it's Father Knows Best, transcribed in Hollywood, starring Robert Young as father. A half-hour visit with your neighbors, the Andersons, brought to you by America's favorite coffee, Maxwell House. The coffee that's always good to the last drop. A decade or so before the turn of the 20th century, the city editor of the New York Sun came up with a remarkably simple definition of news. When a dog bites a man, he said, that is not news because it happens so often. But if a man bites a dog, that is news. Well, in Springfield, in the white frame house on Maple Street, news may very well be in the making. Nothing unusual has happened thus far, but it's quite possible that before the week is out, a man named Anderson will bite a dog like this. Holy cow, Dad, I couldn't help it. Bud, when you signed the good driving pledge... But I wasn't even driving, Dad. The car was just sitting there. And the fender dropped off all by itself. Sure. Bud, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. But it's true, Dad. I wouldn't be surprised if the whole car fell apart. Is that so? There's nothing wrong with the car and you know it. Daddy... What is it, Kathy? Did you know that in the polar regions, dogs are the chief means of transportation? What's that got to do with Bud knocking a fender off the car? I didn't knock it off, Dad. It fell off. Bud, unless you're willing to tell me the truth... Jim, Bud is not in the habit of telling lies, and if he says the fender fell off, then it fell off. And we put it back on again with wire, Dad. You'd never even know the difference. Oh, fine. (laughs) Bud, if I ever find out... Oh, never mind. May I have my coffee, Margaret? Of course, dear. Here you are. Thank you. Nothing. What? It doesn't have anything to do with Bud knocking a fender off the car. I did not. Wait a minute, Bud. Kathy, what doesn't have anything to do with Bud knocking a fender off the car? Dogs are the chief means of transportation in the polar regions. Fine. I'll order a dog sled in the morning. (laughs) Is that what you want? Oh, no. I just wanted to tell you. Well, thank you very much. 
You're welcome. Silliest thing I've ever heard in my life. That car's practically as good as it was the day we bought it. Might need a little paint here and there. Daddy. What is it, Kathy? Did you know that the dog has been chosen as the companion of man because of his fidelity and intelligence? Well, I'd heard rumors, but it's nice to have it on such complete authority. You're welcome. <laughs> Dad. Yes, bud. Does that mean that I can't have the car on Thursday anymore? No, I suppose it'll be all right. But in the future, I wish you'd be a little more careful, that's all. I wouldn't be surprised if the roof caved in. Betty, what's gotten into you? Until tonight, the only complaint you ever had about the car was that you didn't get it often enough. Jim. Yes, Margaret? The Liggetts have a new car. A convertible. Oh. Well, pardon me. Dogs are bred for sports, as watchdogs, for guarding and driving sheep, and for plain, ordinary dogs. Kathy, deep in your obscure little mind... I'll see you it is. You stay right where you are. I wanted to get to the bottom of this dissertation on dogs. Bud? Yes, Dan? See who's at the door. Holy cow. You <laughs> think nobody else around here knew how to open a door. All right, Kathy. Will you explain something to me as simply as possible? Why this sudden interest in the history of our canine companions? Huh? Dogs. Oh, well, dogs are pets, and everybody says they're man's best friend, and they'd probably be girls' best friends, too. And I don't see why... Kathy, are you going to start that dog business again? But everybody I know has a dog, and I don't see why... You know as well as I that Betty's allergic to dogs. They make her sneeze. Dad, it's Mr. Davis. Oh, come on in, Ed. Hello, Jim, Margaret. Hello, Ed. Hello, girls. Hello, Mr. Davis. We're just finishing our dinner, Ed. How about a cup of coffee? Oh, no, thanks, Jim. I, Well, I just want to talk to you about your dog. Our what? Well, I wouldn't mind if it were just an ordinary rose bush, Jim, but this was a Bengal, a genuine hibiscus rosa sinensis. Ed. I only had to, and you ought to see the one he dug up. It's a complete wreck. Ed. Yes, Jim. What dog? Why, your dog. We don't have a dog, you know that. Daddy. Jim. <laughs> I dislike this whole thing as much as you do, but that bush cost me $13. Ed, we don't have a dog. Daddy. And I, I wouldn't even know where to get another one. They only had two in town. I bought both of them. Ed. Yes, Jim. We don't have a dog. Daddy. Kathy, I'm talking to Mr. Davis. I know, Daddy, but I want to tell you something. All right, what is it? We have a dog. <laughs> Fine. Look, Ed, I know how you must feel, but... We what? Kathy, you're joking. What do you mean, we have a dog? Well, it was such a poor little dog, Daddy, and it kept following me and following me and... Kathy, you mean we have a dog... Here? Uh-huh. Uh, 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 Betty, stop that. I can't stop it, Father. You certainly can. Kathy, you've been told a thousand times not to bring a dog into the house. Achoo! She's just doing that to be mean. I am done. She wasn't sneezing before, and the dog was here all the time. Where? What? Where is it? Where's what? The dog. Oh, the dog. 
Kathy, where did you put the dog? In the playroom. Well, we'll just see about that. Of course, it isn't the most valuable rose bush in the world, Jim, but if you knew the trouble I'd gone through... Jim, well, where are you going? Down to the playroom. Oh, Daddy, please don't be mean to the little dog. He wouldn't hurt a fly. Where do you think you're going, bud? Well, can I come with you? Gosh, I just want to look at it. I didn't mean to start all this trouble, Jim, but after all, he did dig up the rose bush. I know, Ed. I'll be very glad to pay for it as soon as we... Oh... <laughs> My aching back. Look at the size of that thing. <laughs> Holy cow. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just wait for you upstairs, Jim. <laughs> Kathy, that isn't a dog. It's a werewolf. No, it isn't, Daddy. It's a dog, and you're frightening him. I'm frightening him. <laughs> Poor little fella. We're not going to hurt you. Kathy, get away from it. But, Daddy... You heard me, Kathy. <laughs> you don't get away from that dog. Well, stay over there if that's what he wants. But don't get too close. Jim, Ed Davis said there was a lion in the basement. Did you... Oh, Kathy. Isn't he cute, Mommy? Kathy, come over here. You, uh, you better do as your mother says, Kathy. <laughs> Maybe she better do what the dog says. What are we going to do? We're going to find out where he belongs and get rid of him. That's what we're going to do. Oh, Daddy, you can't. He's such a beautiful dog, and he's so easy to feed. All he eats is cookies. Bud. <laughs> uh, see what the tag says on his collar. On his collar? Me? <laughs> oh, he won't hurt you, Bud. Will you, George? Well, go ahead, Bud. There's nothing to be afraid of. Uh, that's a nice fella. <laughs> nice, George. His name isn't exactly George, bud. I just call him that. Oh, you're a great help. <laughs> nice boy. That's a nice boy. That a boy. Uh, what does it say, bud? Gargantua the third. <laughs> oh, that's how you say it. Property of Michael Reed, Orchard Avenue. Orchard Avenue? Well, that's a mile away. How did he get clear over here? I think he walked. <laughs> well, he can walk right back. Bud, call Mr. Reed and tell him we have his dog. Oh, Daddy, no! Oh, Daddy, yes! <laughs> Kathleen, it isn't our dog, and we've got to send him back home. But, Mommy, mm. I love him so. Mm. <laughs> Don't cry, Kathy. Gosh, you've still got us. Everybody's got somebody. And all I have is you. You want me to answer it, Dad? No, never mind. I'm right here. 
Mr. Anderson? Yes? I'm Mr. Reed's chauffeur. Oh, yes. Come on right in. Oh, thank you. Very nice of you to go to all this trouble. Oh, it's no trouble at all. Mr. Reed was quite concerned about Gargantua, quite concerned. Well, we uh, weren't too happy about him ourselves. Uh, Kathy? You want me, Daddy? The man is here for the dog. She'll have it up here in just a minute. Uh, Peculiar-looking animal, isn't it? Oh, no, it's a very valuable dog. Vimarana. A vi... You don't say. <laughs> yes, it's a German hunting dog. Very intelligent. Well, that's a matter of opinion. Kathy, will you please hurry? Daddy, I can't find him. You what? Well, Daddy, the most terrible thing happened. He got away. Kathy. But he did, Daddy. I just opened the door... And he was gone. You uh, didn't happen to give him a push. Oh, Daddy, how can you say? Well, maybe one little push. <laughs> now, see here, Kathleen. Oh, you don't have to worry, Daddy. I think I can find him again later. I, uh, I'm awfully sorry about this. I understand. Oh, hello, Ed. Oh, Jim, I don't like Ed, to... please, I told you I'd get you another rose bush, and I will. First thing in the morning. I know, Jim, but after all... Now... George got away. Yes, I know he got away. Only he didn't get far enough away. Have you seen him? Yes, I've seen him. He's in my backyard, and he's having a wonderful time. <laughs> all right, Kathy, go get him. Gee whiz. And, Jim. Yes? When you get that hibiscus sinensis tomorrow, make it two. Oh, no. <laughs> across the country, there's good news about coffee these days. Grocers everywhere are featuring Maxwell House at lower prices. That's right. These days, the coffee with that wonderful good-to-the-last-drop flavor comes to you at the lowest prices in months. A mighty welcome occasion for everybody. You, your grocer, yes, and for Maxwell House, too. With Maxwell House coffee, we've always aimed at one thing, to bring you the best in coffee at the lowest possible price. And that's meant a lot meant you could always count on more flavor for your money in every cup of Maxwell House, more wonderfully good cups of coffee in every pound. It's the reason why, year after year, folks everywhere have found Maxwell House is true economy. And nowadays, Maxwell House is more than ever today's coffee buy. The world's most famous coffee flavor is yours to enjoy every cup you pour. And the price is the lowest in months. So tomorrow, get your money's worth and more. Bring home a familiar blue tin of Maxwell House and start enjoying coffee that's always good to the last drop. The dog is a creature whose principal feature is love, and there's nothing can daunt him. He'll stay by your side as though he were tied, especially if you don't want him. A few days have gone by, and in Springfield, we find a most unhappy individual. Between roses, which cannot be found, and a dog, which refuses to get lost, Jim Anderson's lot is a miserable one indeed. Like this. 
Go on, get him. Oh, isn't he cute, Daddy? He wants to play. Well, tell him to play with something else. But he likes you, Daddy. All right, I like him, but you don't see me biting his shoes. Oh, he just wants to be friendly. No good fender. Why don't they make the bolts big enough? They don't want you to fix your car, that's what. Expect you to buy a new one every five minutes. Daddy. What is it, Kathy? George is hungry. George is hungry. George is sleepy. George, George, George. Kathy. Yes, Daddy? How many times have you found that dog? Six. And how many times have we sent him home? Six. Most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Any dog that's stupid enough to get trapped in back of a fence six times in a row... Hi, Jim. Oh, Ed, come on over here. I've got good news for you. Okay. Hey, see, George is back again. Yeah, idiotic animal. Comes clear over here from Orchard Avenue and then gets stuck in back of the Willoughby's fence. <laughs> smart dog. He is smart, Daddy. He knows that's where I meet him. Well, why don't you leave him there? Let somebody else find him for a change. But, Daddy, the Willoughby's moves away. There wouldn't be anybody to feed him. He can always eat rose bushes. Oh, that's what I wanted to tell you, Ed. There they are. You mean those? Yep, two Bengals, and I had to go clear to Plainfield to get them. Jim, I don't like to be difficult, but those aren't Bengals. They most certainly are. Look at the tags. Hmm. Well, uh, Mark Bengals, all right, but... Oh, well, you see, Jim, there are two kinds of Bengals. A hibiscus rosa sinensis and rosa japanicus. Now, mine were hibiscus sinensis, and they're a much hardier variety. Ed, a rose is a rose. <laughs> and you said Bengals. I don't like to argue, Jim, but I said hibiscus sinensis. You see, the japanicus is very susceptible to mildew and thrips. That's bad, huh? Oh, Yes, yeah, especially around here. The Japanicus doesn't do well in Springfield at all. It needs a much milder climate. I see. You, uh, you wouldn't consider moving. <laughs> Nothing. I'll keep looking, Ed. After all, what's a few more days? I wouldn't be able to do anything but work anyway. Uh, Mr. Anderson? Oh, hello there. We're back here near the garage. Mr. Anderson, I don't know what to say. Mr. Reed is most apologetic. Yes, I'm sure he must be. Well, I'll be getting back to my gardening. I've got another bed of geraniums to set up. I'm sorry they weren't the right ones, Ed. Oh, that's all right, Jim. There's no particular hurry, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Mr. Anderson, I want to assure you that we've done everything in our power to keep Gargantua at home. I'm sure you have. I've gone over the fence with a fine-tooth comb. We've fixed everything, and still he gets out. Maybe the fence isn't high enough. Well, it's quite high, but we're going to make it higher. And now if I may have the dog... Yes, Kathy. Now, where the dickens did she go? Kathy! You want me, Daddy? Where's George? George? No, we call him George. Kathy! I'm coming, Daddy! Maybe if you called him George, he'd stay home. Well, it might be a little confusing, but we'll try. Kathy, why is it... What happened to George? I don't know, Daddy. Isn't he with you? No, he isn't with me. <laughs> Where'd he go? I don't know. Kathy, why is it that every time Mr. Reed's chauffeur... George. Thank you. Every time George shows up, George... <laughs> George? Yes, sir. George. Oh. Well, why, why is it every time George shows up, jo uh, the dog disappears? 
I don't know. What do you know? I don't know. I'm sorry, George, but George, uh, Gargantua. George! Jim! Ed, is George over there? He certainly is, and I'm very slowly reaching a point where I don't think it's at all funny. Ed, he didn't tear up another rose bush. No. Well, thank goodness. This time he got the geraniums. <laughs> George dug up the geraniums? No, but I made a bed, and he's lying in it. <laughs> $35 for two miserable little rose bushes. It's criminal, that's what it is. Jim, let's just be thankful that we were able to find them. Hibiscus sinensis. Margaret, if I ever see that dog again, so help me. Jim. I'll... What's the matter? He's back. Oh, no. He can't be. Well, stop the car, Jim. We've got to get him. Why? Why can't we just pretend that we've never met George? That we've never even heard of him? Dear, we owe it to Mr. Reed. Mr. Reed. He's the one who ought to pay for the roses. George is his dog. Jim, that's not being very charitable. Well, I don't feel very charitable. Where is he? Back of the Willoughby's fence. Again? Margaret, that's the stupidest animal I've ever seen in my life. This is the eighth time he's been stuck in the Willoughby's yard. Any dog with half a brain knows you can jump both ways over a fence. Come here, you silly mongrel. Oh, Jim, isn't that sweet? He knows us. Well, why shouldn't he know us? He's been boarding with us for almost a week. Come on, George. That's a good boy. Take his collar, Jim. I'd like to wring his neck. Come on, George. Jim, I don't think you're being very nice to him. Well, I don't think he's being very nice to us. George, will you please make up your mind... You want to come home with us, or are you going to stay here? Daddy! Oh, Daddy, you found us again! Oh, George, I'm so happy to see you. Oh, my wonderful George. Kathy, nice drag guy. that animal over to our house. Oh, you don't have to drag him, Daddy. Well, get him over there. And this time, hang on to him. Okay, Daddy. Come on, George, I'll race you to the garage. <laughs> Man's best friend. Intelligent and loyal. A half-witted caterpillar has more intelligence than that George. Jim, how about the car? I'll come back for it later. Right now, I'm going to call that Reed guy and give him a piece of my mind. That's what I'm going to do. If he can't learn to take better care of a dog, he doesn't have any business owning one. Jim, I'm sure Mr. Reed is doing everything he can. Well, it isn't enough. Owning a dog is a responsibility to the dog and the neighborhood and everybody else. Let a dog run wild that way, first thing you know, he'll be hit by a car. He's liable to be killed. I thought you didn't like George. I don't. I mean, well, he's all right, I guess, but they have no business letting him run around the way they do. Jim, please don't be too abrupt. Mr. Reed is just as concerned about George as we are. Well, why shouldn't he be? It's his dog. Hello? Oh, this is Jim Anderson. Yes, he's here again. And look, George, I think it's high time... Well, okay. He's coming right over. Jim, when he gets here, please remember that George isn't responsible for George. After all, he's merely the chauffeur. Which one? George. Oh. He told me this morning that Mr. Reed was going to have the entire fence made higher, and if Mr. Reed thinks that much of George... Now, just a minute, Margaret. But... You want me, Dad? 
Go outside and hang on to George. Okay. Betty? Yes, Father? Are you in your room? Yes, Father. Well, look out the window and keep an eye on George. Okay. He won't get away this time if I can help it. Now, uh, what were you saying, Margaret? Well, I merely said that if Mr. Reed thought that much of George... See, God's now what? I'm awfully sorry, Mr. Anderson. Well, you should be. Anybody who can't take better care of a nice dog like George... We do take care of him, Mr. Anderson. We still can't understand how he gets away. That's a very poor excuse. How would you feel if I... Wait a minute. How did you get over here so fast? Well, I left the moment I hung up. I know, but from clear over on Orchard Avenue... Oh, we haven't lived on Orchard Avenue for almost a week. We moved into the Willoughby House on the corner. Oh, no. <laughs> When you go grocery shopping this weekend, be sure to see the welcome news about coffee in your store. These days, grocers everywhere are featuring Maxwell House coffee at lower prices. Now, all of you who know and love that wonderful good-to-the-last-drop flavor can enjoy it at the lowest price in months. And for you folks who haven't been getting that famous flavor, now's the time to bring home a familiar blue Maxwell House tin. Find out how much more satisfaction, more real pleasure it holds for you. Cup after cup, day after day, you can always count on that Maxwell House flavor. For we'll never compromise on the quality of a single pound. Tomorrow, look for Maxwell House at the lowest prices in months. Now more than ever, today's coffee buy. Get your money's worth and more with coffee that's always good to the last drop. Another day has come and gone, and so has the perennial George. There's peace once more in the Anderson household. But we wonder just how long it will last. It never does, does it? Like this. Most ridiculous thing that ever happened in my whole life. Stealing a dog out of his own yard. They could have had us arrested. Father. Yes, Betty? Have you noticed how quiet it's gotten around here? I certainly have. Nice and quiet. How was I supposed to know anybody'd moved in? Why didn't they put up curtains or something? That George is a pretty smart dog. And what a character. You know what he did yesterday? Whatever he did, I'm not going to pay for it. Oh, it wasn't anything like that, Dad. Kathy taught him how to play hide-and-seek. And he was really hiding. Good. I hope it's years before anybody finds him. <laughs> Why, Jim, you know you miss George as much as any of us. I do? I miss George? Huh. Margaret, this is the first peaceful moment I've had in almost a week. Daddy! 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 Kathy, what is it? What's wrong? Oh, Daddy, the most beautiful thing happened. Mr. Reed gave me a reward. Why, how nice, Kathy. Oh, I'm so excited. Well, it was certainly the least he could do. What was the reward, Kathy? I can borrow George any time I please. No. <laughs> Isn't it wonderful? Here, George. <laughs> Oh, my beautiful George. Hiya, boy. Hello, George. 
yours to enjoy an instant coffee you'll love for breakfast every morning. An instant coffee you'll be proud to serve to your dinner guests. It's Instant Maxwell House, the instant coffee with a famous flavor. Here's the happiest combination in coffee. Wonderful good-to-the-last-drop flavor combined with the convenience and thrift of coffee made instantly in the cup. Tomorrow, try Instant Maxwell House, the instant coffee with a famous flavor. Instantly good to the last drop. lands across the seas, many people still lack the simplest necessities of life. Food is inadequate, clothing scarce. Help is needed from each of us who can send it. The time to send that help is now. The way to send it is through CARE, C-A-R-E. For this is National Care Week, and Americans everywhere are joining in sending food and clothing abroad. To send a 24-pound package, mail $10 to CARE, New York. That's $10 to CARE, New York. Enclose your name and address and the address of the recipient. Delivery is guaranteed. Join in National Care Week now. Join us again next week when we'll be back with Father Knows Best, starring Robert Young as Jim Anderson, with Roy Bargey and the Maxwell House Orchestra, and yours truly, Bill Foreman. Don't forget... Membership cards for the Robert Young Good Drivers Club are waiting for you at your local NBC station. Get a man-to-man or dad-to-daughter pledge and sign up today. Be a good driver. Get your membership card in the Robert Young Good Drivers Club today. Now until next Thursday, good night and good luck from the makers of Maxwell House, America's favorite brand of coffee. Always good to the last drop. Father Knows Best was transcribed in Hollywood and written by Ed James. Now stay tuned in for Screen Guild Theater, which follows immediately over most of these stations. Stay tuned for Charles Boyer and Olivia... Okay, everybody. Um... It's that time again where it's time for us to say goodbye. I hate to, but um, come back at the same time next week, 2 p.m. Eastern, 1 Central. Um, 11 o'clock Pacific, and that's as far back as I'm going. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but... Y'all have a good week, and I look forward to seeing you next time.